according to the cloud. Okay. Hey, everybody, welcome back to Soul of Jared podcast. Today's special guest, we have Dr. Tyler. Pen Help me with your last name because I don't want to get it wrong. Two ends, Pansner. Pansner. Yeah, epic. Epic. And uh, Tyler is a PhD in molecular and cellular pharmacology. Um, these are things that I can't even grasp my mind around. Uh, and I'm really happy you came on because I've been kind of telling people that are close with me, hey, with my podcast, I want to start bringing more information because right now I'm a very intuitive guy. And, you know, right now I think a lot of the thesis of my content is like, fuck it, go do it. You know, it's like more of a broad um, statement. It's more inspirational as opposed to educational. So I really want to start bringing the facts. I really want to start bringing things so people can understand things on a deeper level because I'm just like so damn intuitive that I, for me, you know, I didn't go to a day of college. So I'm like, oh my gosh, PhD, molecular pharmacology, like this guy's on some shit. It'll be a good conversation. So thank you for doing this. Absolutely, man. Thank you for having me. Um, so I want I want to just start off by like, what is that process like of being like, okay, I'm going to get my PhD in molecular and cellular pharmacology. Was this like a, a a passion thing as a kid? Like, how did this even come about? Sure. So yeah, I mean, growing up, I always was drawn towards the sciences. Um, I wanted to be the next Steve Irwin when I was growing up. So I was really big into ecology, wildlife, that sort of biology things. Um, and then in uh, middle school, I did the um, like AP advanced placements for the science classes. So like earth science, um, chemistry, biology. But as we started to learn about cells, it just really, really fascinated me that like you think you're this one, well, you are one organism, but it's just crazy to me that there's all these trillions and trillions and trillions of I thought of it back then as little versions of you that somehow coordinate together and send nerve impulses from your brain on when to breathe when to not breathe you know when to make you go to the bathroom so you don't dive you know incontinence or something like all these types of things just really really fascinated me and when I went to um, undergrad at the U University of South Florida down in Tampa I knew I wanted to do biology, but they were asking me, do I want to do a biomedical sciences major? And that grooms you for medical school. Um, and I never really wanted to be a physician doctor like that. I, the idea of sick people yelling at me that I'm doing my job wrong or just dealing with a bunch of sick people, like very, very sick people just didn't really resonate with me that well. It's hugely important to keep the very ill and dying, you know, alive another day, but I feel like that's where all the attention is. So mm -hmm. I ended up doing a undergrad in cellular molecular biology. So a lot of similar courses, except it dove a little more into the cell biology side. And I remember when in organic chemistry class, the first lecture, um, we were drawing, I'm sure you've seen the structures, you know, where they had like the hexagons and stuff for organic chemistry with little carbon groups on them and stuff. And that's how drugs and molecules and vitamins interact with the receptors on your cells. They bind based on the molecular structure. And I remember we were going over the caffeine. He drew the caffeine structure. He's like, and explaining it. And I looked down at my coffee 
And I'm like, wait, so you're telling me it's not magic why I drink coffee and I feel awake. You're telling me it's like the molecular structure of the caffeine just so happens to bind and block the adenosine receptors, which tells my brain I'm not tired, which makes me energized. And that was kind of like a huge aha moment that like everything we do, everything from our existence, our consciousness to the air we breathe, what we eat, what we drink, all these things are just constant influx, efflux of biochemical reactions, just binding with our cells, not binding to the cells, causing downstream signaling pathways into cells. And that's when I really decided that just drugs, pharmacology itself are just so freaking cool. And I consider even natural supplements, vitamins, pharmaceuticals, I consider all these things drugs. Anything that alters your physiology to me is considered a drug just because I'm obviously from the pharmacologist lens of these things. But if it alters your biology, I don't really care what, what I follow the data. I don't really care what, you know, people say about a certain type of molecule, what it could be like. I just strictly look at what signaling pathway does it activate in your cells and what types of cells does it activate the most? So being agnostic to the hearsay and I guess the human component of molecules and just strictly looking at what will this do to my body? So I went and did the PhD and focused on neuropharmacology, so how drugs and substances affect the brain. I did that for the first half of the PhD, and then my thesis work was on breast cancer metastasis. So how do breast cancer cells metastasize from the breast to the brain? But that's when 23andMe started popping off, and I really got interested. Another aha moment. If I know which one of my genes are mutated, there may be a natural way, a supplement or a vitamin that my body needs that hasn't had its entire life. So that's kind of where I'm at now. I was trained to be a lab scientist making another immunotherapy drug, injecting mice. I did that for my PhD. And I'm like, this just isn't for me. I want to be helping people that aren't sick enough to be in the hospital. So most people in the world that aren't in the hospital, the majority of them are not living their best life. They are not. It's one thing to be not clinically ill or sick. Then you could be just not clinically ill or sick. And then there's healthy. But most people fall in that big gray area of mm -hmm. They're not sick enough for the hospital, but they are depressed all the time, anxious all the time. And I, my niche is using the genetic side to try and find root cause deficiencies or overactive signaling pathways and try to find a natural source of something that can precisely address that genetic mutation. And now that's not to say I'm still huge on the whole lifestyle, epigenetic, spiritual health, you know, but I try to tell people I feel like the genetic side is a missing component that people don't really tap into. So enhance the lives of people that are not clinically ill, but they're not thriving. Make more people thrive. The average person improve their quality of life. I feel like that's my mission. That is really awesome. That was very well said. And so, and so when you say you're, you're, help, you're helping people through pharmacological intervention of some kind of substance? Yeah, so some of it's pharmacological intervention, so targeted supplementation, um, some of it's also lifestyle recommendations. There's certain mutations that have been linked to increased gut inflammation from certain foods, um, food allergies. Um, there's mutations that can make people more sensitive to food allergies, and they may need to take certain supplements to help their gut health. The little tight junctions in between your gut epithelial cells, they can be mutated, which makes your gut very, very fragile for things. I dealt with a lot of inflammation, anxiety throughout my life. And I think that's what made me so good at what I do because the doctor said I was fine. And then I go down the rabbit hole. And what do you know? I figure out that it's this gluten that's messing me up. It's this histamine that's messing me up. How can I fix that? Let me go into the literature and I can 
proudly say like the past several months has been the most happy, I, the happiest I've been. I feel so electric and excited. And I know I'm very fortunate to be able to find, I feel like true happiness is finding your true passion from your truest self. That's also easily monetizable. And I know I'm extremely blessed to be able to have that, but I want to try and teach people that, um, there's so much more to life. People think they have a good day that may only be a seven out of 10 because they're a little bit anxious or this or that. And a lot of people aren't aware of these things. So health optimization. So optimize the hell out of every single minute of every single day that you're on, that you're living your life on planet earth. I love that. I'm interested. Um, what kind of uh, foods are, what does your diet look like? So I'm totally gluten-free. I avoid it as much as possible. I think gluten affects everybody. Humans do not have the enzyme to break down gluten. Now you can have genetics that make you more prone to inflammation from gluten, but either way, it's going to stress out your gut. And I think most people are living in inflammation all the time. So they're not really aware if they're more inflamed or less inflamed. And I always tell people, once you feel what it's like to not be inflamed, like people talk about the keto diet, how it jacks up brain function, how you're like a superhuman on it. And I tell people, it doesn't enhance brain function. It just removes the inflammation that's slowing you down. So once you feel that, it's like, it's like a drug. Like some of these days, it's like, I have a little bit of coffee. So I feel borderline manic sometimes. I'm just so freaking, I feel so awesome. So great. You know, everyone has bad days. Right. But, um, so yeah, I'm totally gluten-free. When I do go out to eat, I have gluten digestion pills that give me the enzymes. If I have a piece, I like Dave's killer bread. If I do have bread, it's pretty rare, but I'll have one with that. Um, a lot of animal meats. Um, I'm definitely big on fruits and vegetables as well. Um, and I try to avoid foods that are high in histamine. I have mutations in how I break down histamine and that's what caused a lot of my brain fog and lethargy throughout my life. Coffee, very high in histamine. So I don't drink coffee anymore. Um, vinegar. So people say apple cider vinegar is very good for your gut and blood sugar. Well, if you have low histamine metabolism, you're going to feel very inflamed from that. Or I love pickles so much and I got to be very careful with them because that can cause a histamine reaction. So low histamine, low gluten, I would say moderate carb, um, moderate carb, moderate, higher fat, not like a keto thing, but rice, potatoes, all my pasta is gluten free when I do have that. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much the diet. Love avocados and fatty meats as well. That's fascinating. It's pretty similar to mine. So, so I, my, my background is, you know, I was a personal trainer, been more into like, I saw your recent post, dude, you were jacked, man. Yeah. You know, that, that was the whole, that was the yeah. whole it's just funny when I reflect on like, you know, trying to, trying to like optimize my back then it was my looks. Right. But now I'm trying to optimize my energy and my gene, my life force, my, my day, you know, I'm trying to optimize, like feeling the best. And, um, what really, what really saved me in a lot of ways was the current diet I'm on now. I can also say I feel better than ever. Um, and I eat like an animal based diet. I eat a lot of fruit, but I'm doing a lot of, you know, fatty meats and organs. I make sure that I do, I get as local as I can. I mean, I got a guy right in town, you know, pasture raised, grass fed, um, I'm really big. So as I've started to refine my diet, I've gotten big on, um, where I'm sourcing it from. So having even more intention with the sourcing, yep. um, and also it's just nice to support local people as opposed, as opposed to supporting whole foods, obviously. Um, 
but you know, yeah. So that's, that's been a big thing for me. I was, cause I, I don't do well with bread or any sort of gluten at all. And I look at like my whole family and I'm like, man, like we eat so many, you know, I grew up eating yep. so many pancakes and all these I mean, that Cheerios, they're not gluten-free, but they have glyphosate, this and that. Uh, yeah. It's everywhere, man. It's, it's ingrained tough. in everything. It is. It's really tough. And that's why I think um, it is important to touch on the diet things. I think these conversations are uh, important because cutting that shit out changed my life. I mean, that shit was holding me back in so many ways. Absolutely. And I literally was, um, what was it? Sunday? Was it Sunday? No, it was Monday that, um, had a couple of my buddies over watching a movie, had an edible. We're like, let's get some pizza. Even though I had my gluten pill, just stuff in my face, bro. I had, I felt like I did a week of hard partying, like the worst, the worst depressive anxiety, intrusive thoughts all day yesterday. And I'm just like, I got to just get through the day and I'll be short with my wife. And she's like, I'm like, I know. And then then I'm finally calming down, going to bed. And I'm just like, Jesus Christ, this is all just from all that food. I mean, all the cheese on the pizza, the dairy, the et cetera. And it's crazy. Like, I feel like I took some like really harmful drug and it was just going back to that processed food. You know, I'm human, you know, I'll be the first to admit if I want to pick out, I'll get something that has a little canola in it, canola oil in it. Cause you know, I'm trying to snack a little bit, but 90, 90, 95% of the time it's dialed in. And my wife and I, the past two or three times, we don't go out to eat much. Um, but we have past two or three times, we feel like crap every yeah. time. And we're like, it is not worth it. She's an awesome cook. Let's make our own like steak sandwich on sourdough or something with some coleslaw, make a thing out of it, be at home, have a glass of wine. And it's just so much better. Yeah. But like you said, it's so ingrained in everything. And the one thing that gets more, the one thing that gets as much eyebrows raised, if, if, you, if you're not, if you're refusing a social drink, that puts people up in arms. But if you're refusing like, you know, bread at the dinner table or you're out to eat or something, like that's another thing. It's, it's similar. Everyone talked about the alcohol part, but the bread part, uh -huh. it's so ingrained. And I think people around our age, our generation are starting to wake up with that. But yeah. it's the, you know, the generational imprinting from the past generations on what's normal or not. Right. Oh, man. I mean, my grandma lives around the corner and, you know, I love going over there. But I mean, it's been years she's been dealing with me like this, but they still I mean, it's been years and they still are like offended or like yeah. just they still try to convince me to eat. And I'm just like, you know, I'm not going to eat this. Um, it's so interesting, man. And, you know, food, although, you know, we in the West, the in, in modern society really don't have any intention with our food. Um, there's really no ritual behind our food at this point. You know, people don't even eat dinner together, let alone have a ritual or a mindfulness behind the food. Um, but still, as humans, I think sharing food is like a very like primal thing that people enjoy doing. So, but everybody's cooking with these things that we're realizing really are bad for you. And just like you, my fiance and I have the same uh, scenarios where we, you know, we go out to eat and then we're just like, this is not worth it. Mm -hmm. this, and you, and you, and like you said, it's like a drug. You feel so good once you get that stuff out of the way. Um, you know, it's like, I feel so good. I don't want to bring myself down with these, with these things. Yep. Um, are you finding that most of your clients are in a similar situation with gluten and inflammation? And Yeah. Yeah. So I, I would say most of them. Yeah. Because 
if you're seeking out a holistic genetic health coach on Instagram, you know, it, it selects for people that I always tell people like pretty much all of my clients have a lot of very addressable genetic mutations. And it's, I honestly wonder, is it because I'm selecting for people that most likely have these issues? Cause you're not, if you, if you think you feel great, you're not going to reach out and be like, Hey, here's a couple hundred bucks, figure out my genome for me. Let me drop another couple hundred on supplements and vitamins or food sensitivity testing, blood testing, et cetera. So I really wonder, are there people without these mutations? But I honestly think that's not the case. I just think I've had so many friends, people that have crossed paths with me and throughout my life that, you know, I give them the whole speech about, you know, limiting inflammation to feel your best, et cetera. And kind of the same issues that you try to project on people as well. And once they, once they clean themselves out, they look back and they're just like, holy crap. Like I couldn't even tell I was inflamed. My best friend, he just lost a bunch of weight. He's, he started microdosing, bunch of weight, completely changed his life around, has tenacity in his life again. And I remember he told me a year or two ago, he's like, bro, I just went to the sauna for the first time. I feel like I'm like high on something. And I'm like, no, dude, it just got rid of the inflammation. And that's what, that's what normal you feels like deep down. So it's like that kind of made the gears go in his head. Like, wow, like maybe I am inflamed. Me feeling inflamed all the time isn't suicidal depression, horrific anxiety, ridiculous insomnia. You can't walk because your knees hurt. Like that's not, I mean, that's severe cases, you know, but those little mannerisms, you know, when you just feel angst or you don't want to do something new, you're afraid to explore. You don't want to, you can't be creative because you're in survival mode because of the inflammation from the leaky gut. It all just ties in together. You know, dude, I, li- I like the way, you know, I like the way you look at things and go about things. I feel like we res- you know, for somebody who's a PhD for me, that's like so intimidating to me. I was like the, I was the worst in school ever. And uh, never took a day of college in my life. But um, yeah, you have a very practical approach with how you communicate these these ideas. Um, What is um, like somebody who goes down your path and gets a PhD in this? Like you decided to be an Instagram health coach. Um, What are other people doing in this field? And, you know, yeah. Yeah. So I guess I should first elaborate a little more. So I do have a full time job at a clinical genomics company. So I'm a data analyst for them. And that's kind of the other side of uh, preventative health, uh, personalized medicine, where you sequence, just say you can sequence my DNA, you can sequence someone's tumor DNA, and then the regular DNA, and you could personalize a cancer treatment for them. Yeah, everyone in the wellness space loves to say the government does not have a magic bullet cure locked up, no way, but they do know what can cause it, and they don't educate you properly about it. But that's more so if you want to have a child, you want to make sure there's no genetic disorders, or you think there's a horrific genetic disorder, you could test the fetus in utero. So that's kind of the clinical side of genomics. And like, even my PhD, I wasn't really, like I told you, I was primed. I literally injected mice with cancer, did cell culture experiments. And even that personalized medicine jump, you know, I didn't, all my skills, none of that got translated. Cause now it's like data, more like data genetic side of things. Um, but people with PhDs, you know, you can do, um, you can do the bench work. As I said, you can also do consulting type stuff where businesses ask you, I remember I looked up into the life science consulting. It was something about like this insulin company 
wants to boost their sales? How can they alter the, the delivery of the insulin to make it last longer? That wasn't for me either. Like, it just, it just doesn't, again, it seems like you're, it's the same thing as regular consulting about a steel factory, but it's just insulin involved with it. You know, I love being engrossed in the nitty gritty science and thinking about that every single day. So you can be, you can keep doing the lab bench stuff. You can be a consultant. Um, some people go into sales type stuff. Um, and I, I guess I did go technically into the biotech route, but I just wanted to avoid the conventional therapies type things. I'm all about preventative medicine and um, the holistic side, my genetic health coaching stuff. That's been my, I've been doing that on the side for friends and family for years. My own control F searching the data because it's so freaking cool. I've gotten people off their depression meds their whole lives, just full, just with a $15 vitamin off Amazon that's pre-activated based to bypass their mutation. And it's like, I don't like using the word cured, but pe- clients have used the word cured. And I'm like, don't say that. You never know, you know, but you're, you feel the best, say you feel the best you felt and that's still a huge victory. So being able to see that happen in real time and the looks on people's faces, just the, the, the sheer appreciation for having their life back. As I'm sure you're aware, people on these SSRIs, they're, they're zombies. You know, they're, they're, not, they're not feeling anything. So being able to help people realize that is so huge to me. Yeah, I'm super passionate about that. And I've had to get over a lot of, um, you know, these are, that's like a deeply personal subject, you yes. know, what somebody's taking or, or whatever. But I read, cause I, I've been on, I've been on them. I've been on anxiety medications, you know, when I was um, like, there have been a, there were a couple times in my life where I, they tried to put me on mm-hmm. certain things. So I had a, I had a brief run in, uh, you know, like seventh grade with like, you know, Adderall and things like that. Really, I was like, I'm not doing that. My fiance got put on Adderall at six years old. That, that is, I think the minimum age is three years old and it's, it's criminal. My wife, she actually, she was on it for five years in undergrad and like, I was pumping her full of all the right supplements to come off of it. But like, I have an amazing relationship, but like, man, we almost broke up so many times because she was not her, those withdrawals, man, it is crazy. Like I get, you know, I've used it for cram sessions two days in a row to learn all of organic chemistry for a test or something, or I'll use it strategically with anti-inflammatories, make sure my magnesium is good. And I'll, the rabbit holes that go down with my brain on that, it definitely enhances for sure. But like the chronic daily usage, I feel shot for two days after that. But in my opinion, it's a net benefit. I honestly haven't done that in, since like for many months now. But when I do try to learn things, it's a tool, but a daily medication, they don't even, they don't even check if your dopamine or serotonin are low. Why are they giving you SSRI? What if you have a mutation in dopamine pathways? You're going to be boosting up the already normal serotonin. So all side effects and your dopamine is still going to stay down here. They don't even check that. And you can figure out stuff like that through the genetic mutations. Like I metabolize dopamine four times slower than the average person. So what does that mean? That means I'm a very like uh, outgoing, extroverted, high energy, alert, like infectious energy type of person. But when I get stressed and my body, my body dumps adrenaline, I also can't degrade it as quickly. So double-edged sword. So I shut down under high, high stress. I've gotten a lot better with it throughout the years used to be very, very bad, but now, you know, I still get frazzled, but I know how to try and contain it. And just that enzyme is going to be mutated forever. 
And it's, you know, epigenetics, your stress levels, external stuff is absolutely important. But I just love the kind of black and white binary fashion that genetics can give you. I can look at someone, I had a client the other day, I was looking at their genome, I did a console call and I'm like, how bad's your anxiety? Pretty bad? He's like, oh my God, it never stops all day. And I'm like, he has six different mutations and different pathways that all have been linked to anxiety. So his body is just hardwired to be jacked up fight or flight response. And it's, I love the natural side of things, but people miss the point that everybody's mutated to some degree. And some people require certain types of supplementation in order to balance themselves out and be their best self. Like even SSRIs, some people with really wicked genetics, some people do, I think, need them. I would say that is less than 5% of people on them. Very, very few. And if you're going to use it, use it as a short-term tool. You have a sudden death in the family. You can't cope. Go on it for a month or two. Get the funeral over. Get the wake done. You know, get all that through so you're regulated. And then remove it. That's how they were designed to be used. But now people are on them for years on end. Why? It's terrible, man. I mean, this this is a whole rabbit hole that, that gets me very fired up. You yeah. Know? You know, I mean, I'm, I'm all about, you know, returning to a more natural state of being. I think mm-hmm. that's, I think our modern world has just gotten completely out of control. Um, I think we need to go back to, to nature a little bit. And so just thinking about the fact that a four-year-old isn't sitting still in preschool <laughs> under artificial lighting, eating fake food, Inflamed from the fake food, the histamine fogging their brain so they can't focus. Yeah, it's, it's, and now they have a new thing. And then we say, they're wrong. They can't function. Put them on a pill. It's fucking disgusting, man. It really disgusts me. Anyway, though, I want to shift gears. I'm interested to know, uh, you know, what your thoughts on uh, microdosing psilocybin are. Because that's been a huge thing for me. That's helped me a lot. Yeah. I mean, I think psychedelics as a whole are absolutely going to revolutionize medicine, whether it's the classical psychedelics. So they bind the serotonin 2A receptor, uh, psilocybin, LSD, DMT, and the analogs, mescaline, or the dissociative like ketamine. Um, MDMA, people consider psychedelic. I consider it more of an empathogen. That's more so PTSD, openness. Um, having breakthroughs with, I think, a couple of years, couples are going to be getting prescribed Molly by their psychiatrist, and it is going to blow away the traditional marriage counseling metrics because you're allowed to revisit these, these, these thoughts, these experiences that you normally have a knee-jerk response to. Hey, remember when you did this? No, don't. I don't. You know, the ego comes in, and it's like I don't want to talk about that because I don't want to be pinned and feel like I'm being attacked. It's like, bro, you're just being held responsible. You're not being attacked. You need to turn off and silence that egotistical machinery and just be able to listen. But yeah, back to the psilocybin, you know, I think macrodose versus microdose, I definitely think depending how, there's a wide spectrum for mood disorders that psychedelics can help with. So some people just have a stress-induced deficiency in something called BDNF, brain-derived neurotrophic factor. And that's what every, all these psychedelics I named, they all work by elevating BDNF. So it's kind of like choose your own adventure. You know, 
do you want to, you want to take a couple puffs of DMT pen once a week? Do you want to microdose on mushrooms two, three times a week? Do you want to do a macrodose of acid, you know, once a month? So it's kind of like, you know, they're all not exactly the same, but they all grow brain cells by elevating this molecule called BDNF. And I think if you have a stress induced imbalance, microdosing can be great. I've had so many friends that have literally changed their lives around because of it. If you have some really, really deep, deep, deep rooted trauma, suppressed emotions and thoughts and memories, I think a macrodose makes sense because I do think the altered, the true altered state of consciousness, those epiphanies you have are immensely therapeutic. And that's what can really, whatever it is, if you're listening, if you felt this, you just felt something deep inside of you just suddenly like click. It's like, imagine a chiropractor cracking your back and you just feel tension just released during these types of experiences. And it's just like, what the fuck was that? Like, I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you, I know what it is. I don't think we're going to know exactly what that is for decades to come, but the data doesn't lie. Whether it's anxiety, depression, even neurodegeneration, they grow brain cells. So like, why would it work for Alzheimer's or Parkinson's? And the data is suggesting that or autoimmune disorders, um, being able to help for arthritis or multiple sclerosis. So it's, I couldn't be more supportive of it. You know, I think it's very, very impactful on a lot of people's lives. But I do also think that we really need to nail the decriminalized, regulated side of things. Like, yeah, tripping in woods with your friends on mushrooms can be great and therapeutic, but, you know, negative things can happen too. And, you know, I'm sure, you know, bad trips usually lead to the best outcomes, but I think we also need to really not rush it too quickly. If we want these things to be readily accessible to people, we do need to see the due process. And some people that people need clinicians to help them integrate their experience. I think that's the main, you know, if you're, if you're with like-minded friends that are tripping with you for the right reasons, like I love just chatting about it, whether on the come down or like the, the following days, dead sober, just, just, just try to, you know, you have all these thoughts and they go away. You got to remember what they are and try to integrate them. And that's why in the clinical setting, you have a clinician with a clipboard talking to you throughout it, writing these things down, you revisit them. And as your brain has some new neural circuitry from the brain cell growth, you can, you know, view things from a new perspective. People don't touch a cigarette, never have a drink again after these things, because it's just like changes how you think. Like, I know my wife, she literally had a, was like hitting the nicotine vape. She'll go on and off with it. Nothing too bad. But, you know, after one of those experiences, she's like, I don't want to suck on this plastic thing. Like it just changes how you view these things. Man, I don't know if you've seen, uh, I, I don't know if I've posted about it on my Instagram, but um, my, I was, so that picture we were talking about uh, earlier of when I was jacked. Um, so I, I got on steroids at the age of 17. Wow. Yeah. And uh, right around my 21st birthday, I did LSD for the first time. And that was my first experience with psychedelics other than cannabis. And I woke up the next day and I never touched a steroid ever again. Never, never even thought about it. And I'll, all I did was probably like a small, like three fourths of a tab of acid, yeah. like a couple hundred micrograms, you know, like nothing crazy. Um, and I woke up the day, next day and never did it again. And then, um, and then I went deep into a mushroom rabbit hole for a while. And, you know, like we were talking about, you know, therapeutic setting versus, you know, 
I've never drank alcohol. I've never partied. I've never done. I don't believe in that. I don't think that's the way to use these things at all. Um, I also think it comes down to self-awareness personally. You know, I, I am a, I am a very out there guy. I'm a maverick. I'm uh, uh, I don't know. I'm, I, I don't know. I'm a crazy Gemini. Me, I think I, I don't know if I would have been able to go do it in a, in a clinical setting. I think for me, I had to have the experiences I had, of course. Um, but I think that that's a great route. And um, I don't know, you know, I, it's hard. All I, all I have is my experience. Um, and I went down a rabbit hole, but they, they did help me. They helped me uncover a lot of these things that you're saying you wake up and you're like, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. Like, why? You know, they, they really break pattern. Um, so I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. Uh, what about uh, cannabis? What's your thoughts on cannabis? So, I mean, I think I personally use cannabis in the past on and off. Um, but I think that it, it depends on the type of person and how like you're using it. Like I'm a very go, go, go racing thoughts all the time. And like, I think I'm one of those people that, you know, I use it to help slow me down. Later in the day, when everything's done, I take CBD with it to try and, you know, help calm it down a bit so I don't need as much THC. Um, it helps a lot with my creativity. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's a wide spectrum of this, you know. It's, you know, if you're ripping stuff out of a dab rig 24-7, obviously not, just the butane alone. You know, you don't want to be bombarding yourself with that. Um, it also depends... Get, take a guess on your genetics. Some people can actually have mutations in how responsive their cannabinoid receptors are to our body's own version of THC. Like our, our bodies didn't grow receptors to bind THC. THC just happens to be molecularly similar enough to our body's own version of THC, anandamide. So it actually somehow is similar enough, it's able to bind. Similar to psilocybin it's and LSD, they're similarly structured to serotonin. So they go in our body and they just sit on the receptor and they stimulate our brain cells. Um, you can have mutations so that receptor doesn't respond as well. Or it can have mutations in how your body degrades your own endocannabinoids. And so if you have lower endocannabinoids, that's linked to anxiety, depression, inflammation, basically all the things that people use cannabis to help with you can be genetically predisposed to by those types of mutations. And I always suggest with clients, CBD is one way to elevate your endocannabinoids without getting high, without THC. I'm a huge, huge believer in CBD. I just took a month off of it, but I take, I take it most of the time. I'll cycle on and off. I don't notice any deficits when I'm off it, but um, I have that mutation. So, and how what I process these endocannabinoids. Say Sorry, what, what, what form of CBD do you take? Like, how do you so, use it? I, I make my own, I made my own from a bunch of hemp I got ages ago, um, and just have tincture oil and extra virgin olive oil. Um, I, I've smoked the hemp flower before too. Those are pretty nice. Um, I try to avoid the smoking when I can, but there hasn't been any data I've seen that show that it can actually cause cancer, like, like tobacco smoke. However, at the end of the day, it is a lung irritant. Um, so I definitely seen my first experience with marijuana in early college, plenty of my best friends in my fraternity ended up dropping out because they turned into the wrong type of stoner, you know, and that kind of really shied me away from that. 
Um, and I kind of got into it more after I actually finished college. Most people, you know, I've been smoking since 16. Mine was kind of later on there because I've seen firsthand how people's lives can go to shit because of it. Cause it makes you feel comfortable. So I think that's, it's the dosage makes the poison. It also depends on the type of person. If you're using it to help bring yourself down a bit, cause you're always up here. Great. But if you're using it to, um, escape things, like I'll be overstimulated, whether from a supplement or working out or this or that, but I don't use that to escape thinking about some situation in my head. If that makes sense, if you're using it to numb it. So I'm not going to, this thought made me anxious, so I'm not going to deal with it. Let me just medicate. Mm. That I don't think is a good route. You still got to be in touch with yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a journey for me for sure. And I think even the psychedelics um, help in like confronting those things. Yeah. You know, I started, um, my relationship with cannabis changed a ton when I started microdosing. Um, I mean, dude, when I, like, you know, I, I have been on a pretty serious microdose regimen and it makes me like, you know, I don't need, I don't mm-hmm. need cow out a month will go by and I'm like, wow, I don't even smoke, you know, which wow. for me, I used to, you know, I've been a daily yeah. user. Um, and I've been smoking a little bit more recently. It's just, it's, it's really beautiful to see how my relationship has changed with it. Cause I've also seen people, um, go to shit because of it. I'm curious to know your thoughts. Um, my biggest problem with smoking is that I get really congested in my nose and I feel like my, mm. uh, my airways are blocked. Like I can't, I'm like, I can't breathe. It creates like a lot of, uh, like mucus or something or closes up. I don't know if it's the heat making my, I don't know. Do you know anything about that? I mean, I'm thinking maybe some sort of, it actually is possible to be allergic to cannabis. Maybe it's kind of like swelling up. A little wow. bit. I don't think it would really be the heat. I'm definitely not going to sit here and tell you. It definitely sounds like an allergy because I feel like you've, with all your experience with it, you probably would have noticed some other types of, you know, symptoms of a allergy. You ever gotten like itchy or anything from it? Um, I've had a couple of really bad experiences smoking like medical, like yeah. stuff that's like super fake. I uh, only, yeah. see, I, like, I only use like organic Mm-hmm. um or homegrown uh yeah. but the thing it is really frustrating that like every time i smoke i can't breathe in my nose it's interesting very yeah. interesting does that yeah. happen with you it's happened with edibles too or just smoking um that's a good question i think when i'm on edibles i'm so high i'm not thinking about yeah, it yeah right uh, yeah <laughs> definitely with smoking though um yeah, it's, it's really frustrating and it, it like kind of like kills the vibe a little bit with my cannabis usage. Yeah, I would try maybe, uh, I know, um, stinging nettle root is one of my favorite like natural antihistamines. Um, the regular prescription one just make me feel so out of it. I don't want to touch that shit, but like stinging nettle root extract, I would maybe try, they're super cheap. I would maybe try taking two of those before you smoke and that could kind of eliminate maybe if it's a histamine based allergic reaction or not, that's kind of how I approach these things. Like I remember many years ago, working out so good, having my coffee, eating green exercise, good sleep. And I would just feel tired at like 1130 AM. I remember one time I hurt my knee. So I took an ibuprofen and I felt so much more energized. And that's kind of what made me think you don't need a PhD in pharmacology to figure out if I feel like crap, and I take an anti-inflammatory and I feel better, that means I'm inflamed. And that's mm-hmm. kind of what started the rabbit hole of, 
what is making me inflamed. So kind of similar here, I'm saying, if you want to figure out if it's a histamine reaction or not, try taking an antihistamine, natural one first, of course, and dose up and see if you get that reaction. And that would signify to you that it's probably a histamine mediated uh, minor allergic reaction. Very interesting. Yeah, I, I, I'm probably just going to have to test that out just to see. I need to know. Yeah, let I, me know. Yeah, I need to figure this out. Um, and that, so I'll, I'm, I'm going to message you, get the actual yeah. name uh, afterwards. But that's super fascinating, man. So you, um, is it safe to say that you're definitely a, Okay, I guess what I'm thinking about all of these, so all drugs are different in a sense, and in a sense that even maybe I'm biased when I'm viewing it. There's obviously like the natural ones, cannabis, mushrooms, things that come from the earth. And then there's like pharmaceutical grade stuff, mm-hmm. right? I mean, obviously those things are a lot of times derived from things in the earth. A lot, right? a lot of pharmaceuticals, chemotherapy drugs are slightly modified forms of things that are produced naturally in the world. I guess just me, and maybe I'm being emotional about it. I'm like turned off by, by like pills, like a pill turns me off, but like these other things, like a capsule of like mushrooms or something seem like just intuitively to me when I'm looking at them, it's like, I don't want to take the pill. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's totally, you know, and I always adopt the method, the thinking of natural first always. Um, but like an example I like to give is curcumin, turmeric, everyone's favorite anti-inflammatory. They're making, they're making new modified versions of natural things that to boost the absorption because curcumin isn't absorbed very well. I took some of that stuff and it sent me off the deep end because it blocks the enzyme monoamine oxidase enzyme, which is what degrades serotonin, dopamine, and norepinephrine. It blocks that, so it raises it up. Now, normally at that low bioavailability, it wouldn't bother me too much. But as I told you, I metabolize dopamine four times slower than the normal person. So that curcumin, 3,000% increased absorption, 3,000% more anti-inflammatory effects. Well, guess what? Also 3,000% more blockage of that enzyme. So it sent me off the deep end, anxiety, insomnia, could not sleep no matter what I did. Horrible, horrible, horrible day, but it's technically natural. Um, I look at it as, I look at it as it's simply the molecular structure and how that interacts with your body. Now, I, as I said, though, I always like to support natural first, Um, but a lot of the things we have nowadays, like we didn't, have, if we didn't have big pharma, we'd still be dying of infections from scraping our knees with certain things. So it's like there are net benefits, and people like to say, you know, I'll oh, screw big pharma, we don't need them. Like I'll be the first to say, I think that net, I think that big pharma, if we're talking about lives saved overall in the history of mankind, it is a net benefit. Does that mean there's not horrific, disgusting, foul, malicious, nefarious agendas within it? Of course, I'm not going to say that. We saw that. We've seen that unfold in front of our eyes the past two, three years, you know, and I'm like, and I'm not, you know, endorsing it or condoning it, but I'm just viewing the world and science for what it is, not what I really wish it could be. Um, Because they're actually making 
a good example I could give you um, with psychedelic medicine now with psilocybin, you can't patent a natural molecule. So there's a couple different startups that are in the psychedelic space. They're making psilocybin analogs that last about 40% shorter duration. Now, why would they want that? Because when you're paying for five clinicians for the psychedelic therapy, 40% shorter duration means 40% cheaper for the clients, for the patients. So it's more affordable and more accessible to people. Now, to me, I don't think that that's some foul thing to do because again, of course, ideally, I'm the same way as you. I could go out in the woods and get lost and figure it out. But when you have people that are middle-aged that have been living this generational trauma life their whole lives, they can lose their shit in a bad way when they're not, you know, they're not that type of, you know, risk taker or they're more risk averse. If they're not open to all that, if they're not, most people fear the unknown. I could tell you're like me. I love the unknown and I dive headfirst into it because I want to figure out the truth, but we're the minority here. So like being able to modify a natural molecule, but it's now a synthetic, but at the end of the day, it does the same exact mechanism. Mm. You see what I'm saying here? So it's, it's yeah, a lot more gray than just natural versus synthetic. There's plenty of toxins that'll kill you instantly that are natural. Right. And then there's synthetics that have saved so many lives from different bacterial infections. So it's kind of like, it's hard to label all natural as good because I have one of my, one of my, one of the things I'm vocal about too is um, natural supplements, I think can be very misused. CBD is a good example the enzymes that break down pharmaceutical drugs, you metabolize them. CBD blocks those enzymes. So CBD prevents the degradation of about 80% of pharmaceutical medications. So I'm wondering now, how many people are on antidepressants and they're taking CBD every night for sleep and they're overdosing because they're increasing the effective dose of their medication. The doctor gave them 10 milligrams, but now that 10 milligrams is really lingering in their body like it's 15 or 20, how many of them are getting side effects from their medications because of the natural CBD? And there's so many other supplements that can cause insomnia, anxiety, depression, or affect the metabolism of your other medications. And yes, the ideal route would be don't be on the medications to begin with, but right. look at the world and people for what they are, not what you right. wish. I've, I gave up that whole you know utopian dream of perfect health, this and that, because guess what? We're not going to get there in our lifetime. You know, We just got to do what we can as one human being you know, inspire other like-minded human beings and do what we can, but we're dealing with, you know, it's just, you know, it's decades and decades and centuries of this type of programming, you know, and we're the weird ones. Very well said. That's a great perspective. Um, I'm a big believer, you know, I, I, I'm with you on the whole, I, I know we won't see it in our lifetime. Um, but as somebody who's setting out to, to, to I, listen, I can't tell you why I am so deeply passionate about this. Like, I don't know why. I don't know yeah. where this passion for rebuilding a more loving, healthy, and connected society comes from. I don't know. But I think, that, I think, it, com I, I think it comes from the constant rewiring of the default mode network from the experience with all these plant medicines like or fungal medicines i could see you know i th really think that you know there's a reason why trippy people usually you know have their own kind of trippy thoughts and that's not you know not a good term or bad term it's just strictly an adjective you know what i mean it, it, it makes it alters the line of thinking 
But I also think it alters the line of thinking. I'm trying to think how to word this. It alters everyone's thinking. So it's clearly different than the norm, but they're also more similar to each other outside of the norm than they are in the norm, if that makes sense. Like I feel like it converges the thoughts together. Does that make sense? You say, you know why yeah. you're like that. I think it is just realizing that like, this is the way, you know, this is really how you believe to your core. And I do as well, that these types of things are how you really break out of the matrix and really become your best self and literally thriving and loving every day and not fearing the end of it, just enjoying it for what it is right here in front of you. Cause that's all there is. Well said, well said. Yeah. Um, so I'm just going hard. Like I'm going to, I'm going to try I'm going to do everything I can. Yep to see it in my lifetime, yeah. even though I'm, but that's the way I do. I shoot big, but I'm not attached to anything. Shoot for the stars, land on the clouds. Exactly. You lay, yeah, you land somewhere in the middle. Um, way higher than hard everyone hard. else would get to anyways, you know, like you, you may not get exactly up there, get everything, but you're going to be light years ahead of everyone else. Yeah. hundred percent, man. And I, I love what you're doing. This is a lot of fun. Um, how big do you think diet how do you, how big of that is a factor in somebody's mental, emotional, spiritual health? Cause I, I feel like it's a huge factor. Um, but I, I, I don't have the data. I'm interested. Yeah, in no, I mean, I, I think the top three are diet, sleep, sunlight for mm. sure. I think that's absolutely. And most of the people, most of the clients I work with, you know, they've already tried, like they're already on the wave of doing these things. They're not just reaching out to a holistic genetic health coach to be like, Hey, I sit on my couch. I eat Twinkies all day. You know, they're already trying these things. And like, I think they're mentally important for a foundation, but again, like, like doing all those, I think it helped with a lot of people's issues. But when you're concerned with like pure optimization, I have a mutation. I can't make enough vitamin D from sunlight. And I went down that rabbit hole in the summer. I love the beach sun exposure, tan as hell, several years ago, felt horrible. I had super low vitamin D levels. And I tell, and that's, and that's so many doctors don't even know about this. And a lot of people in the health and wellness, this is one of my new crusades now is I'm vocal about this. I'm getting a following and people, there's a lot of people that are anti-supplement, especially anti-vitamin D in the health and wellness community, because you don't need it, get it from the food, get it from the sun. But you can have mutations. So the sun, I still love the sun. I get in it every single day, two walks a day. I feel great, but there's a lot of other benefits aside from the vitamin D. It elevates BDNF. So like, that's why it elevates BDNF just like, you know, the microdosing does. And like th that feel good. Everyone feels better out of it once they're in the sun. But um, yeah, I can't make enough vitamin D from the sun. So it's like, even though those are foundational, there are some nuanced things. And that's not to say everybody has these types of mutations. But um, yeah, back to what you said, I think the diet is hugely important as well. Um, making sure you're getting the right amounts of micronutrients, making sure the gut's not inflamed. You want to actually be absorbing these nutrients. I mean, literally, like you eat a piece of steak, you break down the protein into amino acids, you absorb those amino acids, they go into your cells. Your cells use them in something that are called ribosomes to create new proteins, which carry out the functions in your cells. So like that steak literally becomes a part of you. 
So the fact that there's people that still say, I don't even, I guess we're kind of both in our own bubble and our own niche. I don't really see that many people saying diet doesn't matter, but like the fact that there are people that like still don't give a crap whatsoever. You know what I'm not saying? It's gotta be gluten-free pasta all the time, this and that, you know, but it's, but it's also, it's way more than just black and white because it's also, these foods are more expensive and certain people are trapped in, you know, what's it called? Like a poverty lock or what's it called? The poverty uh, trap, desert. you know, uh, like, yeah. yeah. So it's like, it, it's, I'm very fortunate. I'm very lucky. Like I can afford these foods, but it's like, there's still, trust me, the, the, you know, there's still a lot of people that can make changes that don't like, why are doctors giving any antidepressant? Are you getting at least 10 minutes a day out in the sun after lunch? 10 minutes a day outside of the sun. Are you doing that? Like, like, you know, just these basics that they just gloss over. And it's, I, and I also say, don't hate the player, hate the game. Like a lot of these doctors, there's definitely some doctors that don't give a crap that just want to make more money. There are some that really want to help, but it's the training curriculum. I think whether it's MD for med school or even the PhD training for me, it's, it's predicated on exploiting free and cheap labor from the students. They're telling you how horrible disrupting your circadian rhythm is. You're reporting on it in journal club, yet you're being forced to go sleepless for nights and this and that and coffee and blah, blah, blah to cram for that test just to forget it all. And I'm not going to and tell you I know what the exact answer is, but the issues are in like where in the circle, you know, where's the weak point that you first initiate the change? I don't know, but it needs to change because these when you've been practicing medicine for 10, 15, 30 years you know that you've helped people's lives. You're not suddenly, you need to see so many patients a day nowadays also as a physician. So where's the time? Like they're shot, they're seeing patients eight, 10 hours a day. They don't wanna go home and start learning all about genetics again when they've been collecting their paycheck, doing what they've been doing for decades. So it's like, it's easy to say the doctors suck, which I agree with, but focus on what are we actually gonna do to change it? And that's why I think down the road, one of the things I wanna do is offer a practitioner coaching thing. I've had practitioners reach out to me, like, how can I learn like how to do what you do? And I feel like the best way for me to spread the mission of genetic personalization, the best and holistic preventative health, the best and help the most people at the end of the day is going to be to educate other practitioners. So it's an exponential effect. I can only work with how many clients a week. Mm -hmm. I love that. I'm with you. It's, it's root cause. You know, I don't, I don't necessarily blame the doctors either. I mean, yes. Like you said, do they suck? Yes. But it's, it's the training they receive. Are you, um, are you a fan of Paul Saladino's work? It's a double-edged sword with him, man. He kind of lets me down because he is a doctor. He's not like liver King. Who's not a doctor who, in my opinion, is clearly just a marketing puppet. And it's weird because yeah, it's so obvious. But the problem I have is that it's it's science with pseudoscience. So like his overall mission of eating animal-based, don't use big pharma drugs, eat organic, eat animal organs, agree, 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 100%. But it's the absolutism of demonizing plants outright. These have oxalates. Why would you have oxalates? Well, I'm here. And one of the things I'm excited to do eventually, I want to take on him and all these other big pages and say, you are right for people with one of these 19 mutations. I actually have a reel I want to post about it, about the oxalate diet. You have genes that can be mutated 
that make you sensitive to oxalates. There's no reason to be afraid of plants unless you're genetically predisposed to not be able to metabolize or clear some of the plant toxins. Some of the plants do have toxins. Meat also has bacteria in it. So it's like the absolutism of clearly trying to promote his sales of you need liver every day. Well, we're going based off ancestral living. They would go a long time eating plants and then the animal would get killed. They'd have a bunch of liver and they wouldn't have it again for a while. So you're living ancestrally yet take the daily desiccated liver supplements. That doesn't align with how we evolved ancestrally. So it's like, there's a lot of holes in the argument. I remember you try to make a post that CBD damages DNA from a weak cell culture study. And I made a comment, got a bunch of likes and he just doesn't answer. So it's like, he bothers me, but then he also shares some stuff that's like saying how horrible big pharma is. And like, I agree with it. So like I'm conflicted. It just lets me down that he knows he's cherry picking data for the sake of sales. And he took a Hippocratic oath to do no harm. And now how do we know that people that are taking all this liver Vitamin A overdoses have been through the roof lately because beef liver is so high in it. It can cause severe pregnancy complications, including miscarriages. People don't talk about that. And it's like beef liver on its own, great. But it's like how many people have had harm done to them because of a vitamin A overdose because of his recommendation? I'm not going to say people definitely have, but that's kind of where I stand on that, that like his overall message I like. And this is for a lot of the health, big health pages on Instagram. I agree with the overall message, but it's the absolutism to drive sales. Because if he says, you know, avoid oxalates with these mutations, then a bunch of people aren't going to listen, you know? So it's, it, it's tough. I'm in between right. with him. But again, I, I expect more of him because he is a doctor. Liver King, clearly a media puppet, whatever. It's just honestly cringy to me that people even fall for that. But I also recognize right. that I am... I'm, I, I, we are so far from the norm and we are not his target audience. So it doesn't matter right. if we get it or not. People comment on my TikToks, like Stop, keep listening to liver King. But I'm like, you are out of your mind. If yeah. you think. I mean, people just, yeah, um, that's terrible. But dude, I'm, I'm with you on Paul Saladino. Cause I, I, I like, even before he started popping off like a year ago, I was looking at, I was watching like some of his podcasts where he would like do these long podcasts, like breaking down like one thing, like talking about butter, you know? And like, I, I found, I was like, this is good information for the average person like me that, you know, would never look into these studies. Um, but I'm with you. It's like, it becomes dogmatic. It becomes a religion. Yeah. And it's tribalistic and polarizing and tribalistic. That's where the health and wellness space on Instagram is. And like I said, I can't wait to, whenever I have time, I have so many clients now I want to like work through, I want to help people, but I also want to make it a point to add the nuance to all these different advice pages. Like, like do you, is keto good for you? Is carnivore good for you? Or do you maybe want to avoid this type of meat based on the genetics? Being able to say when these big pages are right or wrong, is going to change everything because there's no, it's all about how much you connect, how gregarious or how good the sale is. You put one little flash thing of a study there and then it moves away and then people are sold on it. And it's just so much more complex than that. It's super fun. And as a content creator, you know, as a TikToker, I get it. I get the polarizing thing. I get it. It's hard to get people to pay attention. Um, but at some point, you know, it just sucks because I don't think it's worth uh, compromising your integrity. Mm -hmm. um, but then people build themselves, you know, 
we as humans put ourselves in our own prisons. And even these guys like Paul, who seem to be thriving and are doing, he's in a, he put himself in a prison. He cannot, even if he wanted to, it would take a lot for it, for him to be, to walk away from this and to come out and say like, Hey, I think a little bit of plants is okay. Like he yeah. can't say that. Well, he, he, well, he did that with fruit and honey. Initially he was right. like, no, but it's right. like, the only thing that bothers me about him too is like, not everyone gets to live off the grid in Costa Rica and live stress-free and do all that. And it's like, you can't expect people to live how you do because not everyone can afford to not, it's just not feasible for a lot of people. And it's, it's making you feel stupid for doing, you know, something different right? than him, than him. Right. Right. Yeah. It's interesting. I'm not into the whole dogmatic thing either i think there's a nuance dude you should start doing like uh reaction videos i know i know i want to i i've literally just been i'm grateful that since i launched this genetic coaching thing like i'm backlogged probably a month or so like i'm kind of expecting to go down a little this is probably the big surge of initial people but like i do it's funny like when i was just making content growing i was like oh i wish i could sell a service now i'm selling a service and now i'm like oh like now i don't have as much time to really educate about who I have so many ideas, you know? So it's like trying to find that balance there. But uh, yeah, I definitely do. I, I want to make a YouTube eventually soon too. I definitely think I'm more of a long form type of guy, but it's, and yeah, with the whole fear mongering thing, one of my reels that went viral on TikTok, it was about the FDA um, trying to ban certain natural supplements. And I literally started off with like, stop scrolling right now. You have to hear what the FDA is doing to our natural supplements. And I'm sure that's the only reason why it did so well. And it's like, you know, it's a baby version of fear mongering, but like it works, you know, it, right. it, it does work. And like, I still feel weird doing those hooks. Cause like, but it right. works, you know, at the end of the day, it is, it is a business, but it's like, at what point do you value the money, the money versus like you said, the integrity. I'm totally fine making my money slower and doing it the right way because what's the huge, huge race race to get all that money? And then once you have it, you don't know how to live in the first place because you didn't live while you were getting it, you know? Right. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I, I'm I'm in it for the long haul with what yeah. I'm doing. Like I'm in it. I'm gonna do this for the rest of my life. Like yeah. I'm in it for the long haul. Um, but it is it is interesting. This is a this is a this is a big subject for me. Um, I'm learning a lot in how I want to, you know, convey my messages. And uh, it's interesting. I posted a little meme thing the other day talking about meat versus plants. Yep. Um, not sure if you saw it. I ended up archiving it. Um, it did really well. But then at the same time, man, I mean, in the first hour, I think I lost like 40 followers. I got some very nasty messages. Um, people were not happy and it forced me to kind of like take a look at it. And what I was saying, I stand by, but it was how I conveyed it. Cause I, I created a, what was the message? I'm not sure if I saw it. Can you elaborate a little? It was, I, I was basically talking about how, um, I was basically talking about how I believe in our modern world, practically one of the only and see, I was, I made it so polarizing, but I was basically saying that our only hope at getting real quality nutrition is animal products, given the fact 
that all the feet, everything, all the fruit and vegetables in the grocery store has been monocropped year after year. The soil is totally yeah. depleted. And I was talking about how grass fed meat and organs, if it's done right, regeneratively raised where they're grazing on, on grass coming from rich soil that has time to regenerate, how these products are uh, a, a far superior yeah. form of actual nutrition. I don't know if you agree. Um, I mean, I do, but I, get, I, de- I also definitely see how treading very carefully on the verbiage and how you say it and other people's insecurities about stuff. I could definitely see how that could go south. I agree. Oh, it I, went south. I, I, I agree with that for sure. I think like, but I do think there's some nutrients plants could be good for, but at the same point, like I said, I could definitely see that going south. Yeah, it was, it, I mean, like I said, it got a lot of likes and shares, but it also got a lot of like, fuck you. Yeah. Like you got a lot of people were pissed, um, which, so I ended up taking it down because at the end of the day, I realized it was a big learning lesson for me. You know, I'm still figuring all this out, this whole social mm-hmm. media world. I'm young, trying to figure it out. Um, but ultimately I realized I don't want to create any division on my page at all. No division, yeah. because that's not how I live my life. How I live my, some of my best friends are vegan. I mean, I really, I live my life. Like I love everybody, but I watched how my, I'm so trained in this content game. I was like, I got to make this polarizing. And so I think this is a good thing, even for people listening, you know, content creators, people who are starting podcasts and stuff. For me, I don't think that creating division is the way that I I, I definitely know it's not the way I want to go, but it's yeah. working for a lot of these people. It's working for a lot of these carnivore people. And although I do eat like that and I do agree with a lot of the stuff they say, I don't want to create division like them. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think most of the, whether it's keto or carnivore or even vegan sometimes, I think kind of what we touched on initially, I think a lot of the benefits simply come from removing grains and processed garbage. Like yeah. I did keto years ago during my PhD it took me, it was a bitch to get into ketosis initially, but I felt amazing. Like I, I was fasting 20 hours a day and like I'm beginning to bodybuilding. So I normally eat every four hours or so. So I was, I'd be hungry. I'd have a little scoop of peanut, coconut butter and I'd be good to go this and that. And it's like, now it's like, I have carbohydrates now, moderate. I mean, for my size, it's moderate to lowish. I don't really do huge carb ups anymore. Um, but still feel good because at the end of the day, once you learn what inflammation feels like for you personally, you know, what's triggering you and you know how to avoid that. You know, inflammation, inflammation is the enemy. A specific food type is not the enemy. It's the food, the inflammation, whether that's due to a pesticide or due to the high omega six from the cow's diet or due to cadmium in the wheat from the farming or, Lead in the factory grown, you know, wild grown cannabis, commercial cannabis you're smoking, you know, all these different things. Inflammation is the bad guy. So it's remove what's upstream of the inflammation. If it doesn't cause you inflammation, then, you know, you can tolerate that. Live it how you want. It shouldn't be all black and white for any one person. Very well said. Um, I was looking into something about glyphosate. Um, and how it disrupts the, the microbiome of the gut. Yeah. I mean, that's extremely problematic, right? No, that's absolutely. And, and glyphosate too. I was looking for so something like BPA, which is from like plastics. 
there are genes that detoxify BPA. So like you can have mutations that help you clear it faster or slower. Glyphosate leaves your body unmetabolized. So there's basically no real way to like hack around it itself. Um, and I mean, it's aerosolized in the air we breathe too. So it's like, people ask me, you know, why do I need, like, I think, I think unless you're pretty much doing what you're doing, where, you know, it's literally farm the table, you know, all that stuff. Like, I think everyone needs to be supplementing exogenously to out, we need to overcome the toxic world that we live in. I mean, the stress alone that we have day to day, you need more minerals. You need to supplement with them. You can't just drink your plain water and be stressing and getting more dehydrated with these things. And yeah, I mean, I think it's, yeah. Wow. Dude. Um, I've seen these products. Um, I don't know what's in them, but I've seen that people are endorsing like these products that clear the body of glyphosate. I don't look in, I, I've not looked into any, honestly. Um, maybe it's some type of binder or something. Mm -hmm. So I don't really know if it's, you know, legit or not, but I will definitely look into that. And mold is something I actually been reading more up on recently too. I'm realizing a lot of people are messed up from mold their entire lives and it really nestles its way into you. And it um, basically shuts your body, shuts, shuts down your body's ability to detoxify from it. So it actually, something called NRF2, that's your body's main sensor for oxidative stress. And it lets your body activate antioxidant genes. So the mold gets into you and it shuts that down. So you can't clear it. Um, I was actually reading the other day um, you'll find this super interesting. So NRF2 is the same signaling pathway as BDNF. NRF2 causes your, your cells to boost more BDNF. That means that psychedelics also boost NRF2. So now this is something a week or so ago, my mind was thinking, could psychedelics also be used to detoxify things, whether it's from mold or think about it this way. I know you don't really drink, but the NRF2 pathway is also what activates enzymes that detoxify alcohol. Therefore, psychedelics really should prevent hangovers. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not telling people, I think they're, you know, I don't think it's good to mix the two there, but you know, people are going to do recreational shit where they want to be recreational. Cause this is just showing you in my head, how I view just the signaling pathways there. NRF2 is downregulated with mold. Psychedelics also elevate NRF2. Therefore, could that also help with mold infections? You know, no one's going to do that research for, I don't even know how long. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't go on the record saying that, but like, you know, if someone, if, if a client came to me and said, you know, I've had mold throughout my life, I was microdosing for a little bit, then I stopped. I'd probably say, you know, while we have these other vitamins, maybe start out microdose again. You know, I don't really know how much it's going to help, but it's like, I just love making all these little connections there. And you could have mutations in those things too. Like you can have, I know we're going a little off topic here back to the psychedelic thing, but I think you'll really appreciate right. this too. So there's seven main types of serotonin receptors. Um, so when you, when serotonin gets released, it binds all seven of these. And when you take SSRIs, they, it releases more serotonin that gets stuck there. So you bind all seven receptors. Everyone thinks of depression as serotonin levels. You can actually have mutations in individual subunits of the receptor. What does that mean? That means that let's say you have, you actually had a client that had this mutation. Um, she had a mutation in the serotonin 2A receptor, which means 
her serotonin levels are fine. Her serotonin 2A receptor is not as sensitive to serotonin as a normal person's. So what does that mean? That means she would be the ideal candidate for microdosing because they bind specifically the HT2A receptor. If she went on an SSRI, yes, you would be increasing signaling to the faulty receptor, but you'd also be overstimulating the other ones that are normal. You following me with that? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, I know the HT1A receptor, the 1A serotonin receptor, lavender specifically binds it. So it's like this person, people, people that say, you know, it goes so much deeper than people think. And like, to me, I think that's so freaking cool. You can have mutations in that HT2A receptor. You can have mutations in the BDNF gene I mentioned. I actually have that mutation. That's why I respond so well to these medicines because mm-hmm. I have lower levels to begin with. So it's like predicting who are these ideal candidates. And it makes me think all these clinical trials we do are garbage because you need to separate them by people's genetics. The efficacy would be through the roof if someone with those mutations was given the right medication. And that's kind of, you know, the whole personalized medicine side of these things, like really, you know, microdosing would be best for you. Or there's certain types of mutations that make that receptor overactive. And those are the people that can have psychiatric breaks and have uh, neuropsychological disorders induced from psychedelic experiences. So, you know, it's not there's actually some companies doing genetic testing on how you metabolize psychedelics to basically make sure your dose is right when you start out clinically, because you don't want to dose someone too low. They don't feel anything. You don't want to nuke someone to smithereens when they're not mentally in the right state to handle that. So sorry, quick deviation there, but just no, so that, cool. That, so cool. That's, yeah, that is cool. Cause that is, um, you know, that's something I think about a lot. That's really awesome. And it's not that the, it's not that these psychedelics won't work for people without the mutation, but they may be if someone has a mutation and how much serotonin they make outright, then yeah, I would rather do a natural SSRI like St. John's work, try that before a pharmaceutical Zoloft, but at least that addresses their issue of too low of serotonin. But if one receptor is mutated, why boost up all the serotonin? Wow. You, so you, you just took a lot of things that I've heard and thought about and put it into like a digestible form. I think, dude, you got, you got to go hard on the YouTube and stuff. I think this is yeah. the gift, um, is communicating these super complex no. things into a digestible form for somebody, an uneducated man like myself to, uh, to understand. I'm interested to know if you know much about this, cause you brought up mold, how big of a problem, cause this is a huge trend. How big of a problem actually are parasites in the body? I'll be totally honest. That's like one of the other things I know pretty much nothing about. I see a lot of, because in, in, in my niche now, I'm a, all, all the people I follow now are all naturopaths or DOs or functional medicine practitioners. So I read a lot about that, but it's like, I want to learn more. But like, you know, the hair mineral now, I don't know how to read that. I don't know how to diagnose mold. So it's like, you know, I'm, I'm in the same niche, but it's like, I come from a radically different mm. viewpoint of it. You know, I come from the tr- conventional medicine, deep science education. And it's like, I think you can't train intuition and education doesn't equal intelligence, but I see certain people post some things and I could just tell that they don't have a formal scientific training. And that's not to say that's everything. I've met plenty of people that are way ahead of actual doctors and physicians about things. But um, 
parasites, you know, that's the parasites and the mold. I see that a lot lately. Para it seems like anything can cause anything. So like heavy metals, mold, parasites, those are kind of the main three external type things that like my coaching doesn't really like cover. Like I've had some clients that they get on these vitamins and supplements and they're virtually cured overnight. I've had some people that take them for two weeks and they feel 25% better maybe. And they're asking me what's next. I'm going to be like, I'm going to be totally honest. Like it's out of my domain to go through all of the, you know, detoxification, environmental toxin stuff, because I'm trying to focus on the genetic side, which no one's really covering to this level. I want to be the best at that. That's my niche. And have other practitioners get that for the cherry on top. Like I said, some people that indicates they may have an underlying stealth infection. So that's why they don't feel so much better right away. Some people, their wonky genetics explain most of their issues and they feel immensely better virtually overnight. So yeah, regarding the parasites, I'm sure if some of these other pages I see that put out great content are saying it, I'm going to take their word for it. But regarding my own independent research myself, I haven't done too much research into them. Interesting. I love how clear you are on your mission. Like I'm going to be the best at this. I really like that. I like that. I think uh, you got to know what you are. You got to know what you're not. You know, I used to be so concerned with I don't know, perfectionism and trying to be good with everything and taking it. Like, what if a client doesn't feel better, but it's like, you know, it, it says in the coaching agreement, you know, there are no guarantees. How many doctors have failed you before you came to me? You know, they're not, they're not losing sleep every night because they didn't rapidly fix you, you know? So why is it, but I, I haven't had a client say they don't feel better at all yet. You know, and some of the people that only feel 25% better, they're grateful for that 25% better because now they can, feel that much better going to the next doctor. And I'll say, I don't think it's a genetic thing. It may be, may not, vitamins alone may not cure everything all the time, you know, but you'd be shocked at how many people have screwed up minerals or methylation or histamine gut issues, poor gut. So that's in my control. Very awesome. What are the top three things that you think we could all be doing to feeling better? I think getting food sensitivity testing to figure out how, how does that work? So I got one done. I went to the allergist three different times. They had like a little, they basically like, they take a tiny little lancet and like etch your skin. So it's like a tiny little scrape and they'll put a little liquid that has specific allergen. So they'll expose your arm. I think I got over 150 different things, all food and environmental. So dust mites, ragweed, pollen, almonds, peas. And I found out, I remember I told you I felt like just tired from the coffee and stuff. And then the ibuprofen made me feel better. Months down the road, I got allergy testing done. I was severely allergic to peas and almonds and I ate them every single day. Wow. I never got hives. All of my histamine allergic reactions go to my brain. They make me very tired, lethargic, and just lazy. Not, no tenacity. And I realized that. And then I also found out I worked with mice for almost every day for six years. I found out at the very end of my PhD, I'm also very allergic to mice. So I go to the gym in the morning. First thing when I go into lab, I go check on my mice, get some allergens cooking. Go upstairs, eat my lunch, eat my peas and almonds. So looking back now, no wonder why I felt 
Like I had to work through this exhaustion middle of the day. And the more clients I've worked with, so many of them, most, the vast majority of them have mutations in these histamine pathways. So they're prone to these food sensitivities. And I'm telling people, people think it's sneezing, congestion, itchy eyes or hives or watery eyes. It can be brain fog, anxiety, depression, psoriasis, leaky gut, eczema, all these different arthritis, all these different uh, inflammatory things. So I always tell people, get food sensitivity done, figure out how sensitive you are to histamine because tomatoes also bother me or vinegar or coffee, very high in histamine. I'm not allergic to coffee, but coffee has a lot of histamine, which I don't metabolize very well. So I take probiotic strains that help my body break down histamine. Um, I'd rather take that than in pharmaceutical antihistamine any day. It's just bacteria strains. Right. Um, so I definitely think food sensitivity is huge as well. Um, also, of course, I'm a little biased here, but I think genetic testing to figure out root causes for if you're prone to very low B12 levels, or if you can't make enough vitamin D, if you need more vitamin A than somebody, if you need a special type of B vitamin, cause your body can't activate it properly. Um, mm-hmm. so if anyone has questions about that, reach out to me. I'd be happy to help you out. I think that could help a lot of people as well. Um, but as I said before, I also think sleep is so, so huge. Having proper sleep hygiene, making sure that it's actually restful sleep. I have a mutation in my melatonin receptors in my brain, which means I, my circadian rhythm is hard to stay consistent. So my brain doesn't really secrete as much melatonin as it should at nighttime. So I take sublingual all natural melatonin um, because I need it. Some people take it. They don't respond to it because guess what? You don't need it. So again, the genetic personalization of that. Also, it makes my eyes more sensitive to light when I sleep. I wear eye covers now. And now any shred of sunlight, I'm up. And like, I'm not ready to wake up. I'm not, I've never been a super early morning person, but that I would wake up and go halfway back to sleep the last two hours of sleep. Now I'm totally fine doing it. And it's like, I wonder where I got it from. Well, my mom's wearing an eye mask her whole life and she didn't need the genome to tell her from the data from it. She just realized she does better with it. But what do you know? She has that same mutation too. So I think the food sensitivity testing, uh, genetic testing, sleep. And then of course, I mean, I'll throw in the fourth one. You already know it. It's just, just the whole food, you know, okay. I, no, rather than whole foods, I would say removing gluten and grains, just remove that to start. You know, I wouldn't go crazy with, you know, the canola oil, the seed oils, you know, I'm not big on them either, but I think the most rapid change you could feel within a day or two is removing the gluten. If we're talking about minimal actionable steps to feel better. Wow. And then obviously sunlight. Yes. And, um, do you ground? Do you walk barefoot? You do that? Uh, so I go, I have these, like the minimalistic uh, flat foot sandals when I go for walks, but I'm not going to lie and tell you, I really don't ground that much. I definitely think that there's, I definitely think there's something to it. I just personally feel good not doing it, you know? So it's like, if it ain't broken, don't fix it. But, um, I definitely think that it can be beneficial for people. It I, my want, I wonder, I wonder if there's now one thing I know it's like the ion exchange. Like I wonder, first thing I think of is, is there a genetic component to that? for people that are more responsive to grounding. I'm sure I'm not, I'm sure I'm going to find literally no information on that. Cause that's, 
light years away from academic research, but that's just kind of how my brain. Is there a gene that we can identify so people are more or less likely to benefit from X? That's how I approach everything now. That's really cool, man. I might, I, I think I'm going to even have to come to you maybe for some personalized work. Yeah, let me know, man. Um, I mean, I'm just interested to know too um, about the sleep. So we have a nine month old baby and my fiance has not slept through the night in nine months and she breastfeeds. She's waking up constantly. And obviously we can see and feel the effect, but what kind of effects does that have? Like literally waking up every hour or two for nine months straight. I mean, there's sleep deprivation is linked to a lot. It's linked to higher inflammation. It's linked to dysregulated hunger signaling. So like just you're going to be how you process the food, your blood sugar spikes are going to be dysregulated, but also how hungry you are throughout the day. Um, And like the first thing I think of too is like how many, I think a better question is how many of those disturbances are, I guess, imprinted into the breast milk. Because I know that breast milk different times throughout the day have different components in it just by the circadian rhythm of everything. So like, um, so one of the pages I follow, she was saying how you want to like, if you're pumping, you want to save AM and PM milk for like, you don't want to give AM milk around bedtime because that's not, you know, physiologically consistent with everything. Um, but sleep itself, I forgot it was someone's Ted talk. I think his name was Dave. Some doctor was on Joe Rogan. He said, sleep is your superpower. And Mm -hmm. I think that's totally true. Yeah. And it's so true. And there's mutations that can make people like, like I said, I have mutations in my circadian rhythm genes. So like I have never, if I don't get at least seven and a half hours, I'm more like an eight hour guy. Like I am done. Like I, even seven hours, I'm like out of it. And then like, I have friends that they'll go get four or five hours, not consistently, but like, you know, let's say we're all hanging out for a weekend. We're out somewhere and like they get four hours of sleep. They're fine the next day. And I used to always think like, am I just a pussy? Like, am I just like, am I just like, like, do they have that much better mental fortitude than me? Right. I look into those genes that are mutated and it's been shown with those mutations, you have so much more inflammation when you don't sleep properly. So it's like, no, I'm not a pussy. I'm just literally that much more fucked up from them with poor sleep. So yeah, I mean, I don't know the exact, I'm not like a sleep specialist, but I mean, sleep itself, you know, you want to make sure you're cycling into the deep, deep sleep. I remember I was in a sleep app and like the one night I took way too much of an edible and like, I was just straight deep sleep, no sleep cycling at all. And like, honestly, I felt like shit the next day. Like it was just like, you don't want to be just a log in just comatose deep sleep. You want to like go the REM sleep. And I got the exact names. You're supposed to cycle every hour and right. a half or something in between them. And Cannabis or alcohol, they can affect that, you know, cycling. But, you know, it also depends on, I'm a big fan of like net benefit type of things. You know, if, you know, if the, if the chronic marijuana use, if that's affecting your sleep cycling, but it's also keeping your anxiety to bay and you feel more alive throughout the day and enriched, you know, from what, you know, from using that at night to help decompress whatever floats your boat. You know what I mean? Everybody's different. And I think outright demonizing any molecule outside of pretty much like, I don't know, like alcohol and cocaine. I think those two, I don't really see any real, you know, like 
low dose benefit, whatever. I think pretty much every substance vitamin out there can be used in certain scenarios, except, you know, arsenic and cyanide, obviously, but at least compounds people regularly consume, you know, it's pros and cons. You know, if people say you don't want to give someone high dose vitamin D, but what if it's your grandpa that doesn't give a crap about his health that doesn't go in the sun. And yes, the ideal scenario is him to get his half hour of exposure for his, with his shirt off walking once a day. But what if he doesn't want to do that? I would say the risk of high dose vitamin D calcifying his organs, which there's some evidence for, but I think it's overhyped. The pros outweigh the cons. I want him to have high vitamin D levels. So like that's the lesser evil. And I think especially in the health and wellness sector, people get their heads so far in the sand about what is absolutely perfect What's exactly perfect isn't always practical. Wow. And and all you're trying to do is just do your best so you feel your best. And you can't blame people for not jumping headfirst on the boat with everything you do because they may not need that or it may make them worse. Wow. Love these perspectives. I have one more question for you. And that is, are there any benefits to these medicinal mushrooms like reishi and chaga and lion's mane? Is this, is that real? Absolutely. Definitely. I'm a big fan of functional mushrooms. For me personally, I get nausea when I have them, especially lion's mane. And I think it's because, I think it's because something in the actual fungal matter itself. So, you know, with psilocybin or LSD, the nausea you get, it's from the serotonin receptors in your gut actually being stimulated. So basically it's your stomach cells tripping instead of your brain. So that's what Mm. caused the nausea. But I felt good mentally on the lines, mate. Very good, but I got kind of weirdish nausea. So like I elevate my BDNF. I like using CBD, magnesium. Like those help elevate BDNF as well or sunlight. So it's like kind of pick your modality, you know? But I do remember the first time I took, I think it was cordyceps, going outside to do some cardio and I easily jog way further than I usually do because it helps with oxygen utilization. Um, so I personally use that, um, whenever I thought I was exposed to COVID, I always use reishi mushroom. They actually have studies showing, um, reishi mushroom extract itself is directly, um, toxic to SARS-CoV-2. So there's absolutely, um, therapeutic benefits to these for sure. They actually did studies, lion's mane with psilocybin microdose is more effective than just psilocybin microdose alone. So what do you know though? They both boost BDNF. So they kind of piggyback off each other epic okay cool because i'm into them and i want to believe in them yeah but i wanted i i wasn't sure if if it was bullshit or not um i've i've actually seen some interesting stuff about um turkey tail mushrooms with like cancer medications and yeah and yeah yeah i'm not too familiar with like i i know of turkey tail but i'm definitely more familiar with the lines made reishi cordyceps but um yeah man i'm sure you're familiar with paul stamets oh yeah yeah, he's the man. And like every time I watch his stuff, I'm just like, this mushroom intelligence shit is just so interesting and mind blowing. You see, ever see the one where they like they assembled like a like a they were trying to figure out how to like space a railroad system for a city? Yes. For and him, like the mushroom grew. Yeah, they like grew the mold in like a not the mold, the fungi grew in a path that was like more effective than any scientist could figure out or something. It's just like crazy yeah. to me. It's wild. I'm all in on mushrooms. I have a t-shirt brand called I'm feeling yeah. mushroomy. Um, I'm, I, I totally believe in them. 
I uh, just wanted to get your take on it. Because my friend, so he works um, side by side with my company. My friend has poured his life savings, all his time and energy into creating this mushroom honey. He's a, so it's called Tease Bees. I can send you some. Yeah. Um, it is, it's raw honey, which we know is phenomenal. For I humans. just started doing raw honey recently, like the past two months. And I love it. I like, you know, like the raw, kind of like granular in a way, like a little like sandy, but like in a good way. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Same. That sounds awesome. So it's raw honey mixed with organic medicinal mushrooms. So he has a chaga blend, wow. a reishi blend and a lion's mane blend. And I'm a big fan of it. Um, so which I, one's I mean, your favorite? Do they all taste the same or they taste? Little- they don't taste the same. So the chaga, have you ever seen a chaga? Mu- I actually have one right here. So this is a chaga mushroom. Oh, um, so the chaga honey has a real dark, uh, yeah. look like this. Um, and then the lion's mane is a bit lighter. Yeah. It's the white one. Yeah. Taste. I really like the reishi taste wise. Um, but the honey's phenomenal as well. It's all local here in Ohio, raw honey. Um, very cool. I'll have to get you hooked up with that. Yeah, it's super interesting. I'd love to try it. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, but dude, this has been amazing. Um, I appreciate all of your insights and and uh, and what you what your work is. I definitely want to do this again. Yeah, um, absolutely, man. I'd love to. It's, I feel like we could do another two hours easy. You know, but I we'll know for another time. I just, I, I got to pee. I mean, we could we could keep going if I pee real quick. <laughs> yeah, go ahead and pee. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine okay. I'll be, you can, you can tell the people something interesting and I'm going to be real quick. <laughs> now, now I feel the pressure on me while he's peeing. I wish I had a question from, uh, the audience, but, um, yeah, I, I really think that understandings one's genetics can absolutely give you absolutely give you the upper hand on not only helping to remove actual ailments from your body. So becoming less sick, but also really truly maximizing. Um, like I said, every single minute that you're awake, that you're alive, the sleep, the energy, um, the inflammation. Um, cause yeah, whether you believe in reincarnation or not, and I know Jared says this a lot, um, you know, we're having a human experience right now and trying to maximize that um, on all fronts just seems like, why the hell not? Why not try to be the best version of yourself and build, um, I guess, the best, build the best mission statement you can and try to execute on that. What did, what did I miss? I was telling <laughs> them about the genetics and then... Uh, I was saying, I actually said something that you said about how uh, something, I remember you said, you sent this, uh, one of the first posts I saw from you about, you know, people being too far down the rabbit hole of the spiritual life. And it's like, at the end of the day, we are humans right now, whether you believe in uh, reincarnation or not right now, you are you, whether it's the avatar or you reincarnation or not, like why the hell not try to optimize the shit out of your life in this meat suit, whether you yeah. think we rot in the ground or whatever it is. Why not? You're, you're what, now, what's the alternative? Um, feel like shit and do shit you hate and be depressed and become a chemical shitstorm of 
things holding you together to carry on with your existence? I don't know. I mean, there's yep. no alternative. Hey, is this stuff better than using a lighter hemp wick? Yes, definitely. Okay. E- explain, explain what, uh, to people like what the, why it's the butane, right? Yeah. So butane the from the lighters. Yeah. I'm, I'm not, I haven't, I'm definitely not an expert on what exactly butane does to the brain, but at the end of the day, you're hitting, hitting, ripping that bong or whatever it is, sucking in with the cherry, this or that, you're going to be getting some uncombusted butane. Mm -hmm. Um, So, um, yeah, I honestly should get some of that, but I don't have some, but. Even even when like lighting a joint, right? Like it's better than having that butane. Yeah, I mean, I don't don't think that's as important unless you're literally pulling it as you're lighting it. But um, yeah, I definitely think natural flames would definitely be best. Yeah, I, I'm. A, I got. I got turned on to the hemp wick, and I can never go back. Yeah. Also, you're not digging your hand in there, getting all burnt, this and that. It's very like hands off. You're you're away from harm's way, just dangling a little cord in there. Yeah, I'm a big fan of it. I'm a big fan. Um, yeah, like I said, I kind of I've been reintroducing a little bit of cannabis. It's interesting. I I like it. How does it? Why is it that artists? Um, cause I, I consider myself an artist in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. So you're doing, are you doing some hip hop stuff? Oh yeah. Hip-hop I mean, rap stuff literal too. music. Yeah. yeah. I have tons of music. Um, but then even just in the way that I like do my, like, I look at my, even my clips that I make, like that's yeah. my art, you know, yeah. um, yeah. my life is my art. Um, cause you know, I don't, I really don't have anything to teach. I'm more so like, um, just a guy, like seeking adventure and seeking truth and just kind of like reporting back. Yeah. That's, that's me. I'm just like, I'm, I'm a huge risk taker. So I'm going into risky situations and signaling from the other side. Hey guys, it's not that bad. Yeah. Like that's, yeah. That's, yeah. that's kind of what my, uh, what my thing is. And, but why do you, why is it that cannabis helps so much with creativity? Honestly, I'm not, totally sure but i totally agree with that i mean i've 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 been playing multiple different instruments um i grew up painting as well so i'm definitely an artist as well and i think another a whole other side of my life is trying to use so we know obviously psychedelics neurogenic compounds can absolutely help with uh mood disorders and you know realign Whatever you want it to call it, realign your chakra, your soul, your default mode network, et cetera. We know music therapy in of itself is also very beneficial to brain health. Um, so I'm looking to try to find ways to kind of marry the two. I know in psychedelic therapy, they kind of have ambient music. Um, like I'm very, very big into electronic music. I was trained classically um, with music. So I played guitar, um, trumpet, um, taught myself a little bit of piano, but the electronic stuff is stuff super interesting, but it's way more than just the, I hate the one, two, three jump, you know, shake your ass, whatever. I like the stuff that really makes you feel something. One of my favorite producers, John Hopkins, he actually made an album music for psychedelic therapy that you should listen to it. It's incredible. Very just ambient, soft, whimsical sense that I think just synergize very, very well with that altered state of mind to just induce that wow factor and that amazement. And 
you know, it takes that one little epiphany you have when you have these different converging thoughts in that mind state, that one little epiphany you have can completely change your life. It's my life doesn't have to be like this or, whoa, I never thought about it that way. Wait, there's other ways to think than just how I'm thinking normally. And that can kind of lead you down this rabbit hole of truth seeking. And pretty soon you'll end up like Jared. <laughs> hey, I, why do you think it is that we romanticize sobriety? Like, why do you think it is that a lot of people get to a point where, and this is funny, maybe this is just in my bubble. Um, because most of the population is not, is most of the population, I mean, we look at America, a lot of them are Christian and a lot of, the, and I know that it's a crazy thing to bring into it, but I'm just like looking from my own examples, like the judgment around some of these substances. Meanwhile, these people who are judging cannabis and mushrooms are on 10, th- on 10 pharmaceutical drugs every morning. Yeah just to, just to run. But when, and so they demonize these things, but I think what's even more fascinating is like people in my world or in our world, I don't know about your world. Um, we get to a point where people are like romanticizing sobriety, like, Oh, you're microdosing. You don't need that. You could do it. So like, Oh, you're, you know, you're smoking weed. Oh, really? You can't relax sober, you know? And we like romanticize sobriety. Why do you think that is? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think part of it is insecurity. A lot of people have um, kind of like you said, being that maverick type of person living freely, expressing raw emotion, you know, not suppressing your genuine self, not being afraid to look like an idiot or a weird quirky guy. Um, that energy, you know, can really irritate people and make them very insecure and jealous. Like deep down, I wish I lived my life that way. Oh, you're on, you're like that because you're doing drugs or this or that. And it's, I view whether it's supplements, drugs, they're all just different tools, you know, where we're all in this adventure called life. And what you said about that specific example, it's just simply the propaganda machine. Um, have you seen the new Netflix documentary, How to Change Your Life? Oh, yeah. With Michael Pollan. Yeah, yeah. Phenomenal. I don't read the book, but I mean, it's very, very well put together. And it just summarizes it very, very well that, you know. LSD has been proven to help with alcoholism. So it's like companies now are starting to assess that I've invested in them. Cause like, it's already been shown to work in the past. Like we're, we're just rediscovering, you know, something, something old. We're just rediscovering that. But um, then regarding the whole religion thing too, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but like uh, there's a lot, I think, I think that virtually all religion stems from some sort of psychedelic experience. Yes. Um, I the agree. case of the, the burning bush in the Bible, the acacia bush, um, very high in levels of DMT. Um, I forgot what they found mushrooms in ancient indigenous tribes. Um, yeah. so I think I a mean, lot even of these Adam and Eve you can regard as a yeah. psychedelic issue. Yeah, I mean, it literally says in Genesis they cannot eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge because they will become as we are. I don't even know that quote, but that makes perfect sense. And I definitely, yeah. They will become yeah. as we are. Yeah. I, I mean, if you ask me, that's, you know. That's a psychedelic. Then, um, yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I'm, I'm bored with this. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah. So I, I think it's, 
Yeah, I th- and that's what makes it even more ironic, though. These people that are being judgmental that their biblical text tells them not to be judgmental, they're demonizing substances that I believe are likely the root cause of their, you know, religion, their credo, their life scriptures in the first place. How ironic, right? Absolutely. Did you ever get into Terrence McKenna? I'm familiar with them. I've listened to some of his stuff. I haven't really went down the rabbit hole per se. I just have so much other crap that comes by me that I start reading and looking into. Like it's, I know uh, Dennis is, Dennis is still alive, right? His younger brother. Yeah. Dennis is okay. But I think Dennis, I think Dennis is a disgrace to the McKenna name. (laughs) I mean, Terrence, Terrence is. um, I listen to some of his stuff and he's like, he, what he'd be like smoking what DMT on the breakthrough DMT on the peak of an acid trip and stuff. Like he was, Oh yeah. Yeah. He, he was going deep. Even just the philosophy of it that like, when he says like, uh, when he says the machine elf realm, like at this point I'm like, yeah, probably. Yeah. You know, like, I'm not even like, what? Like, this is like, like, or are these really hallucinations? You know, are it, are the innuendos you have in your head, you know, not every psychedelic influence innuendo is true, but you absolutely can have hyper-awareness that gives you increased clarity on something that you, you'll connect dots you didn't even know existed that actually turns out to be true, you know? And that's what makes them so powerful, yet also makes them so dangerous in the eyes of certain institutions. Yeah, well said, certain institutions. Um, I mean, hey, it's, I feel like psychedelics help a lot with um, bringing back the power to the individual. Yeah. They're empowering. It's an empowering yeah. experience. And, um, you know, it's hard to uh, monetize off of an empowered society. Yeah. If everybody is thinking for themselves and growing their own food and, you know, to, uh, building their own businesses. And, you know, it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to keep this current system in the state that it's in. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> what are your, now, do you get involved in, so this is something that kind of like, when I see a lot, like for Dennis McKenna, for example, I mean, Terrence would be rolling in his grave if he saw Dennis sharing stuff about on Instagram, Biden administration plans on, you know, legalizing this or that. Like, are, do you get behind any of that? Do you actually think that they have our best interest in mind with, with these kind of things, with trying to, you know, legalize certain things? It's definitely, it's, it's definitely a tricky topic because there's the, the, the equity and the accessibility. So making sure it's accessible to the right types of people and not just, further enhancing you know the rich oligarchs you know that's definitely concerned that i have and it's i'm conflicted about it because i know these things can benefit so many people and like you just want everyone to have them but it's also like getting the regulatory side involved you know history doesn't look great in that aspect so it's like i don't have a fully informed opinion about that but i definitely see both sides of the argument there and are they just doing that to get along with the times? Like, probably because people are increasingly like, yo, fuck SSRIs. Like, plant medicine is the way, you know? Like, there's so many big influencers now that are 
you know, open about the microdosing experience. And it's just, I think in Canada now, they let you use it for terminally ill patients. Thank God, like at least start there, you know? Um, but, and then I think, which states here have it decriminalized? I think a couple states have it decriminalized Oakland, here. Oakland, Denver. Um, you're talking about like mushrooms? Yeah. Yeah. I know Oakland and Denver. Who, who um, decriminalized? Didn't one city decriminalize everything? I think that was... Was uh, it Oakland? Um, uh, I thought that was actually like Seattle or something. My, okay, okay. I'm not sure. It might have been Oakland. I'm not sure, but I did. I, I was really fascinated um, in actually on the Change Your Mind thing on Netflix. I believe it's the Mescaline episode. or my, No, I think it was the Psilocybin episode. Um, of the decriminalized nature movement. What do you think? Did you see, have you seen anything? Yeah, I've that? seen all of them. Remind I, I watched all of them. I'm trying to remember the decrim. Oh, oh, you're saying anything that is naturally derived should be decriminalized. No, well, there's an actual organization called decriminalized nature. And they did a brief part about them on the show. And I've seen their Instagram before, but it's basically people are coming like they're, they're getting, that's how, that's how like, um, these a lot of these cities that are getting decriminalized, they're happening from this this group called decriminalized. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, it's cool. I, I, I mean, I think it'd be a great. Yeah, I think it'd be a great. I think it'd be a great. Like, I don't view any. Like I said, I just view molecules. I don't really view as anything as good or bad. It just really depends on the context. So it's like. I think, yeah, I think it all should be decriminalized. And as long as you're not, you know, harming other people, like why? And I'm sure everyone's seen that, that, that chart of like harm to self, harm to others. And you have like alcohol, meth, coke, PCP. They're like way up there, you know, and then all the other ones are just like basically non-factors. So it's why is it? I'm pretty sure cocaine is still a Schedule II drug because it has some medicinal use in dentistry to like numb patients even though they don't use it and i'm just like what the fuck I, i've i've only seen i've always been super super against cocaine let alone the fentanyl lacing of it which is just a whole other issue that feels like non-negotiable with people people i'm from long island so people i, I see in the news all the time people dying from different fentanyl overdoses but like just the molecule itself i mean that definitely in alcohol i've never really seen someone become a better more true version of themselves on those substances. You know, I, and listen, I'm not going to sit here and say like, I, 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 when I go out and drink, like I drink, but I also made my own, I'm only going to do an actual product, 100% plant-based anti-hangover pill that activates cellular machinery. So I prevent over 95% of the cellular damage and I'm not hung over the next day. So like when I do choose to do that, cause I'm a very social guy, I'm mm -hmm. as social as you can get extroverted life of the party. I don't know how the hell I used to drink like 30 natty lights back in college. And like with all the glue, I, I used to be proud of it. You know what I mean? Ugh, like now I have some seltzers, you know what I mean? But it's like, um, uh, I forgot where I was going with this. Um, Alcohol. Yeah. I, it's, <laughs> oh, oh no. Yeah. It, it, I understand the going out and being out with friends and just having a good time with friends even if you're having some booze, you're a little hungover, just having a good time with friends can do wonders for your mental health if you've been in a dark place. And it's like, um, 
but the drinking to inebriation, I'm very, very glad I outgrew that. Most people have that phase at some point in their life, but I'm very glad I outgrew that early in my life, you know, and it's crazy. I have, if I have one or two drinks now, I have to get drunk. Otherwise I'm this weird in between like anxiousness. Personally, I always end up feeling very weird. Yeah. So I'd rather just have, you know, four, five, six, seven of them. And then I'm like drunk and then, you know, I'll go home and whatever, have the hangover pill and I'm fine, but it's, Whatever makes you happy. You know what I mean? We're yeah. all, one day, our day is going to come for all of us. And look back and did you do what you wanted to do? Did you treat people well? And did you have much more good times than bad times? I think those are the main boxes you should hope to check when your time finally comes. I agree. I agree, man. Where are you located right now? I'm on Long Island, New York. Oh, nice. Yeah. I've, I've never been to New York. Gotta come sometime. It's gorgeous yeah. now. It's gonna get freaking. It's gonna get cold though. I want to move somewhere warmer eventually soon. I'm a big outdoor activity summer guy, and it's like the downside is that we get maybe ten weeks of like good summer weather on Long Island, and I would say at least two or three of those weekends it's not that nice out. So it's like I'm a, like going back to alcohol. I'm a seasonal drinker. Like I'll have I'll be drinking out on the boat with people, out on the beach, but like I'm I'm way over going to a bar like i like being outdoors and just using right. it as a social lubricant you know like i like yep. getting buzz i'll be the first to say i'm not going to be like i'm a health and wellness guy but there's there's ways to do it you know right. um it doesn't make you a hypocrite if you're no. healthy 98 of the time but you have some drinks and if you honestly even if you get shit faced a few times you know people get so look at you you hypocrite it's like you don't see what goes on behind the scenes like you see me on a hangover cheat day eating an ungodly amount of food but you don't see that that's a big refeed for me when I've been dieting, doing my four miles of walking a day. This, you know, it's people right, get too caught up right. in that. But um, um, the downside about Long Island, it's like I have to get all my partying in in those mm-hmm. couple of weeks in the summer. And like, I tell you, right around this time, like I'm always just like, all right, Labor Day just happened. And it's like almost crawling to the, well, now I don't drink as heavily as frequently, you know, now it's much more. But in the past, it'd be like, oh, I could feel it on my body, but you got to keep going because you want to have fun. I love my friends. I'm a very soul. I love making memories. Every night I go out, it could be one of the best nights ever. That's how I view everything. And I think that's why, you know, I built a great group of friends because we all kind of feed off each other's energies. But again, I would much rather have it be pretty nice year round and go out and do something social once every three weeks or so, like not have to be. Like I honestly miss now. I have all these clients now. I honestly can't wait until the weather gets cooler. So now I could spend a whole Saturday uninterrupted and just get through a bunch of clients at once. And I'm excited for that now, but like right now it's nice out and I know it's going to be going away in a couple mm-hmm. of weeks. So I'm going to yeah. capitalize, but being able to spread that out and be more consistent with it somewhere where it's nicer year round is huge. I love sunlight. Even with my vitamin D mutation. I love sunlight. Me too. Um, how do you, I'm super social as well. I'm interested, like you and I are both busy. We're like focused on our mission. We're doing our thing. Um, aside from like going out and like, you know, it's things like that, like as it gets cooler, how do you kind of like, how do you like scratch that social itch? Um, 
well, honestly, now that we just got a, uh, we just got a house now, like I love having friends over playing tunes. Like I love, I'm a very, very musical person. I said the electronic music, all my friends listen to it. There's nothing I love more than sharing these beautiful sounds, these, you know, emotion evoking these cathartic. I love cathartic music where you could just really get a release and just relieve stress. And I love sharing that. Um, I'm big into mixing and DJing. So being able to weave certain things with another friend's favorite vocal and this and that, and that sense of unity through music. Um, I'm actually going to uh, Brooklyn Mirage, one of the biggest clubs in Brooklyn. I think one of the best clubs in the country. We used to go there all the time throughout this. I haven't been there in like seven months, which is the longest time for me in years because I have this place now. Like, I don't really care about going out to the club to a rave with all my friends, all the bullshit of traveling and stuff when I have music that I could play that's just as good, if not better. And I could be a cool environment on the couch, chilling with all my close friends. I don't have to yell over a bunch of other people bumping into me and stuff and just remove remove most of the BS and keep pretty much all of the benefits at my home. So like, aside from going out socially like that, I like hanging out with friends socially, like in my home as well. Love that. I love Dude, music, man. It, 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 it can too. be such a tool. And I'm very curious about, I've had ideas about doing experiments where this wouldn't be ethical in humans, obviously, but imagine you could get brain epigenetics is huge. Everyone talks about epigenetics. And one of the main ways psychedelics work is by altering epigenetics. That's how most, that's how any, any drug in your body pretty much works. It alters the gene expression. That's how you get the therapeutic effect. Um, imagine if you could, this is a big if, cause I'm, I'm going to say in humans, but it's a long step until that. But imagine if you could get brain tissue samples of humans pre, during, and post um, like a music experience. I'm trying to think how to word this. Imagine if you could reverse engineer. There's obviously healing frequency, like Tibetan bowls that they ring, you know, like those have some type of effect like on your epigenetics. Imagine you could reverse engineer and figure out what the ideal frequencies are in humans to reverse that traumatized circuitry into the free flowing, you know, truest self, inner child, whatever you want to call it, you know, that, that, that mode away from the societal bullshit life that most of us live, that, that what we're all, what, what we've gotten the taste of, what we seek out and what we want to give to others. If you could reverse engineer that and like, what would that music actually sound like? I have my favorite songs that are beautiful in and of themselves, but then I'm thinking like, what if the ideal noise like sounds horrible, but it heals you? I'm sure it wouldn't. I'm sure it coincides with what you think is beautiful. You know what I mean? But like being able to pinpoint that and combine that with some of these other substances as well. And it's like ironic that I've been thinking about this. Even before, now everyone sees people with the eye blindfolds on with the psychedelic therapies and with the music and this and that. And it's like, it's just so interesting to me. Aside from the health and wellness, the music side definitely pretty much encompasses like my whole life. Like that's another huge, I want to start making it soon. Um, turn this off as like a studio with the keyboard, this and that. But I keep putting it off because I know what type of person I am. And the second I get Ableton and start making it, yep. it's consuming Bro. my life, consuming my life. I don't even want to start. Like I, like mm -hmm. I want to get, 
I want to get my passive income going. So I'm sustainable. I still want to work obviously, but like, I want to get that passive income going. I went on my whole life. Once I'm semi-retired to do whatever I want, make as much music, you know, but it's like so tempting because being able to unite people over music and sway emotions and not just sway emotions, but be able to alter cell biology based on sounds, whether you're mixing them or you created them. is just so fascinating to me. Man, when I first started making music back in, I grew up a drummer okay. um, playing in the church band, ironically. Um, and uh, man, when I got a studio, when I got a mic and I got Logic Pro and a laptop back in 2020, man, I quit all of my money-making yeah. activities. I locked myself in my back room, my apartment for six months and I made a hundred songs yeah. and that's all I did. And I could not function in the real world at all. Um, I, I bet you probably did. have that same, you probably have that same mutation I said that uh, it, it's how I metabolize dopamine. And ironically enough, most of my friends, you know, you have friends from high school, you're friends with because you live near each other. Then you have adult friends that you actually seek out. Mm. Most of my adult friends have this same mutation as me. And it's what makes you very, like you growing up, your relationships with people, was it, I don't want to say one-sided, but were most of them you putting in more energy than the other party? 100%. Yeah. Same here. It's what makes us so excited about anything. It's just, I'm, if I find out I'm hanging out with a friend on Friday and it's Monday, that's all I could think about until Friday. Because I'm just know, so I'm excited about it. Yeah, so I, I think you probably have, and I think it's, I think around half, uh, I'm guessing your European descent of some kind, Caucasian, um, German, okay. Scottish, and Native American. Okay, yeah. So at least the the German and Scottish, like, yeah, you most I won't say most likely, but very likely around half of European descent Caucasians have at least one copy of this mutation, and it's ironic that like I go to clients and I can basically predict personality types based on that gene specifically. Very excitable, but you can also get, it makes you a very sense. I used to, a very sensitive person. And I used I to be, things. yes. And it's like, all the, things. exactly. Ex and it's like, I remember in the past, like, you know, high school friends and stuff. I'm still friends with them now. They're great people, but you know, just joking around with each other and stuff. And like, I'd usually be the one that's eventually like, yo, can you just like stop making it a joke for a second? Like, I'm not mad, but it's like, you just like, why is it always got to be like a joke? Why always does it have to be a joke? Can't we be like, right. I love joking. I'm a very humorous guy, sense of humor, right. but like, and it's like, it used to be like, oh, you're being so sensitive. And like, I used to be like, oh, I should suppress that. But now past few years, I think it's a superpower. I wouldn't trade it for the world. Like you said, you feel everything more. The good is amazing and the bad is horrible, but I feel like you're the same way. We know that how we live our lives, we will have more good than bad. We're not afraid of the bad, but we know that we're going to live in a way that the good outweighs the bad. So it's like, bring it on. You know, like yep. I know I'm going to surround myself around people and do things that are enriching to my true self, what I really want to do. So like, yeah, some days are going to suck. Like Monday sucked because I ate all that freaking gluten and pizza and cheese and whatever, you know, or like 
something bad happens. Someone, you're, everyone's going to have bad days, you know? But um, yeah, it sounds like you probably have that mutation too. And it's so interesting that subconsciously I sought out people. I sought out people that match that same energy that are dying to hang out with me. Like they're so, they're, what we're hanging out? Hell yeah, let's go, dude. Instead of like to play it off cool, like, oh, all right, I get I it. Some it. people, they try to be, I mean, that was mainly, you know, in like high school and shit, you try to be like, play it off cool. But like it's a little different now, but a lot of people still try to do that when they're stuck in this fucking materialistic, fuck boy, fucking casual sex, whatever type right. of thinking, you know? And it's like Carnival Aurelius, he's similar to Paul Saladino. It's like, I think he weaves a lot of good messages in and I ask him for sources for some things, not because I doubt him because I'm curious, he doesn't answer, you know? So it's like, what's it? a lot of these people, they have good messaging, but it goes south because they're trying to promote some agenda. But like he's pr promoting the, I love how people are now saying, you know, casual sex means you're a good manipulator. But that's yep. pretty much all that it is, you know? So I kind of love that, that I never really been that type of guy, you know? I've been with my mm -hmm. wife for, we got married last year. We've been together, best friends for over 10 years now. So it was like different for me. But even before that, I never really been like that. I get everyone has their phase, hormones and right. shit. But once you're like over like, I don't know, like 23, 24, 25, it's like, you know, what really, how old are you, by the way? 24. 24. Oh my God, you're young. I'm turning 30 in November. Wow, you're an old soul. I get, I guess that's what they say. Well, no, I guess I wouldn't say old soul. I would just say that you're past the bullshit, I guess. You know, I think well, age is just a number. Like, I think I'm gonna be thinking, I definitely grown up since I was 25, since I was 20, but like, I feel like as you, as you age each day, each year kind of changes less, I guess, maybe. You know, like once, once you hit 28 or so, it's like, how different is 38 gonna be? Like mentally, I'm probably gonna have a kid and stuff I got to take care of, you know, but it's like, well, that's I why I am the way I am. I have two kids. I had my first okay. daughter when I was 18 years old. That'll and do that, it to you. That changed the course of my life forever. Yeah. That, I mean, at that moment at 18, you know, I saw through all the bullshit of partying, all the bullshit of, I mean, I've been like working towards my dreams since I was 17, 18 years old, while everybody else was going to college or everybody else was getting fucked up or everybody else was getting a job, I was going all in. I've always gone all in on what I wanted to do. Never really had a job. I mean, I was 17, 18 years old, making a full living on Instagram, selling diet plans and on Facebook. Like I was all, I've just always been so into my thing. And a lot of people, I think, use kids as like a reason why not. But my kids have been the reason why. Yeah. Like my kids have maybe gone harder. I have a second child now and I'm doing more traveling than I've ever done in my life. I'm making more moves than I've ever made in my life. I'm working harder, but then enjoying more time than I ever have. Like I'm optimizing my life on a whole new level. And, you know, I brought in another kid. So and just this whole thing of, oh, your life's over once you have kids. It's like, no, like I am so grateful to be 24 with two kids yeah. i mean that is they're my gurus they're the yeah. reason i'm i'm here they're the reason i'm at where i'm at so i'm, I'm very grateful yeah it's a beautiful thing man yeah kids are you guys plan on having kids yeah i mean honestly i just finished school like a year ago so like, i think we're talking about the other day it's like i said it at least on a three years so i think about it and she's like i don't know maybe five so it's like definitely definitely but like 
I just finished school and shit. Like I just, I just now started actually making like a little bit of money. So it's like, I want to like, it's it's been all school, you know what I mean? But uh, definitely for sure. Absolutely. Epic. Dude, that's interesting. What you said, what you were saying about the uh, mutation though. That makes sense. Um, Yeah. And I, even like when we were talking, I was when we first started talking, I was like, I was like, I would hang out with this guy. Yeah. And, yeah. Because uh, you feel the energy, you know, you feel right. that it's yeah, yeah, yeah. And trust me, guys, it's not a front. Yeah, we're all energetic in real life too. It's not a facade for the podcast, you know. It's just you can't help but be you, you know. And right. I think I think it's I think it's it's that, but I also think it's I also think it's the journey through the plant medicine that also. Like I used to be a lot more anxious, imposter syndrome, suppressing these things. But now it's kind of like, you know, this is me. Either ride with me or not. I don't give a fuck. Like I genuinely could not care less how many followers my personal Instagram has. The My doctor one, like, you know, I, I want to reach more people. I want to get my message across because I want to help more people, you know. But regarding the ego side of like literally Tyler pants are who I am. I could give two. F- I actually started posting more on that now because like I used to be like subconsciously, is this cool enough? Is this like it enough? You know? And now I'm like, this was us on a zip line after a party doing whatever. So like, here it is people. I don't give a shit. You know, I wrote a novel about how this live music performance was so amazing, how it's different from a DJ set and whatever. Didn't get as many likes. I don't give a shit. I put it out there. It's like, I feel like the genetics then with this, I guess, more mindful, I hate using the word awakening and woke, but it's applicable here. I'm sure you, everyone abuses the fuck out of it, but it's, it's true. You know, you, you could harness that raw elevated catacult. So the elevated dopamine and norepinephrine can be problematic, especially in suppressive conflict ridden environments, but it is an absolute asset when you're not giving a shit, being your truest self and just harnessing that. You could go up and sway a whole room with a couple senses of words just because you're speaking from your heart because you have so much dopamine and you believe in it, and that carries out in your tone. It's epic, man. I w- I I love it, and like you said, you wouldn't trade it for anything. Like I wouldn't trade it for anything. Yeah. Um, I I mean that's what my entire page it, like you know is. It's just like me you've been counting with the memes lately, where you're doing the little text box over all the shit that's wrong. I love. I, I've been trying to think of like a original, like you found a new original sort of format or template that you can just keep doing. Do- I'm trying to think of one that's like, like that. But the problem with me is that I'm so deeply scientific that half the time the jokes end up just being like too knowledge based. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, I want to try and just find something that's just funny, but accurate and like real, like your stuff is, you get what I'm saying? Like a lot of times I'm, I'll show my wife and she's like, this is a little dense for people to wrap their heads around. It's a little too sciencey, and I'm like, sorry, I, 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 I can't help it. You know, like, I think I you wanna... should try them though. I think yeah. you should put them out um, because mine, even like I was thinking the same thing. Like when I was looking at the amount of text I was putting into some of these, I was like, dude, this is like six sentences, yeah. and I'm like, that's not really like a meme, you know? Like that's not your typical meme. Yeah. Um, but dude, I mean. One, I mean, one of them I'm thinking of, it's literally like a five or six sentence, maybe seven sentence text box uh, on, with a picture behind it. And it is my most liked and shared piece of content of all time. Wow. Yeah. 
So I think I think it's a matter of letting the market decide. We say True. no. You know, we we as creators, we say no too much. We need to let the audience say no more. I like that. I like you know that. what I mean? Yeah. We 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 judge it before we even put it out. Like quality is subjective. You know, when I put out that meme, that was one I just threw together while I was taking a shit, you know, and I'm like, you know, I need to, I just want to get a post up. And uh, it's my, it's, it resonated with more people than anything I've ever posted. Yeah. And it gained me a lot of followers because it got hundreds and hundreds of shares. And um, so, yeah, I think you should try it, man. I think you should just put it, if it's, even if it's a little longer than your typical meme, it's like, hey, you know, and I do a little. I'll keep that in mind. And I do a little slide thing. So like one of them will be like a longer thing. And then like the other one will be like a funny little six of arrows, like mushrooms, like a dying society, you know, like little arrows, little arrows, like some funny things. But I got, I'm really fascinated with memes because it's like it's an ultra shareable, practical way to like spread messages. And um, I think that's what the world needs right now is more ideas. New ideas. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I definitely got to keep that in mind. And that's what I remember I initially, like when I first started doing the Instagram, it was the green screen, more deep educational stuff. And then when I moved, I started doing like the walking, like while I'm getting my outdoor cardio, I'll just start. I wanted to like be perfect, like from a script and just some seamless thing. Then I just started, it took me like five hours to make this green screen reel with this deep education, with citation to five, six hours for one post. And now I'll go on a walk. I blink. It's been an hour, 15 minutes, bunch of good cardio, bunch of good sun. And then I have like three little just reels of me just talking nonchalantly and just whatever comes to my head. And it's just, those are the ones that I've been, you know, doing better and just not thinking about it so much. And I, Started this hashtag, hashtag just post it. And it's just like, you know, who gives a shit? Just post it. But I guess I should take more of my advice now then. Because I, I, I'm more of a, Instagram said they're going more to videos. And it doesn't mean that the text won't work, you know? Right. I just feel like it's much more of a talking medium for me. I could kind of just pivot and ramble and say whatever. But I do think the text stuff gets shared more. Yeah, it gets shared more, definitely. That's why I think it's, I think it's lucrative. So I'm doing both. I'm doing the tech stuff and the video stuff. Um, But dude, you're absolutely crushing it. And uh, I'm super happy we did this. Super dope. Yeah, Um, man. I definitely can't wait to come on again. I hope this does well. I hope a lot of people learn some uh, good information. And, you know, anyone has any questions for me about what I do, how to get involved with the genetics, I'd be more than happy. Hit me up on Instagram. I'm sure I'll do one of the, toe posts or whatever whenever it's up or whatever be able to find me um Mm -hmm. but uh yeah man awesome awesome combo yeah thank you so much man uh i'm gonna post it tomorrow so i'm i'm keeping it rolling i'm I'm trying to post like two or three pods a week right now wow um anytime you want to come on i can always use another conversation um and we'll be in touch man awesome bud thank you so much for having me yeah peace out everybody Okay.